0: You know, as a public health person, I would think that the goal that I would see to really stabilize the system and therefore make it less of a crisis issue when you get to have a pandemic uh, flu, which we know will will again occur as was predicted, uh, even though they're rare events, they do occur, is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And, And what we foresee in the future is that influenza vaccine will be something that is essentially a routine vaccination for everyone. And if we then transition that into the universal vaccine, then you may only have to do that every couple of years and get people protected not only
1: from seasonal flu, but from pandemic flu. In my mind, that's the end game, And that's good for the companies, too, because they're going to know and predict that every year the vast
0: majority of the American population is going to get vaccinated, not having to guess will they or will they
1: not this year or next year.
0: Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, January 5th, 2021. Thank you for joining me today. Yet that interesting opening clip. I wasn't going to use that today. My brother actually sent that to me. From 2010, Anthony Fauci discussing what well, we've already covered way in the beginning of this supposed pandemic which was the universal flu vaccine that was being driven at same same discussion mRNA platform the whole thing that didn't really pan out same reasons you might expect and interesting to see that discussion of course when he don't miss how he said when we get to have a pandemic that's what he said when we get to have the pandemic that we've been predicting now, of course you could chalk that up to a slip of the tongue or however you want to frame that but i found that to be pretty telling We're going to have a really important discussion today, specifically around something we've been kind of touching on for the last week or so, just kind of the de-evolution of their narrative, how it just continues to like deconstruct in front of us and go back the other direction, which I'm not completely convinced as of yet is that we have stopped them at this juncture, or rather part of it. I'm not, you know, I'm always trying to suss that out as it goes forward, and we never really know for sure. But we should be asking whether this has been, a successful effort by people like yourselves to at least slow this down. And I do feel that we've had that effect no matter what, but whether that's why this is happening or not is up for you to decide, but we are watching the mask debate just fall apart in front of us. And I'm going to go into this. That's why I started with the mask Omicron. uh, What I forget the term I used cover up manipulation. The point here is that they're using the idea of Omicron today to pretend as if that's why masks suddenly don't work. And it's just pathetic I mean, it is a grasping, absolutely baseless argument. They're trying to pretend that they know without any data that Omicron is somehow or rather imply it's a different size without saying that. Because And that's why the masks don't work now, because those don't work against those sizes, even though it's the same thing. And the data they point to has no discussion of size whatsoever. Transmissibility is what we're talking about. We'll get into that today. And it's just a really, it, it's it's the it, no more than we expected. The, you, we didn't expect them just to stand up and go, oh, you got us. We've been lying about the masks. You got me. It's never going to end that way. It never resolves. It'll go forward for the rest of time where they scream, we were right the whole time. And here's why this explains why we were wrong. And we'll be over here saying we called you in the beginning and you were wrong. And now you're lying about it. It'll never end. Two party paradigm. That's how that works. But it's interesting to see that they're actually trying to make this argument. Now, we're also going to be talking about the fully vaxxed definition and how that is just like we've been telling you the entire time, shifting. And we're going to show you an edited article from Bloomberg Law with the Wayback Machine in one day's time, less than 24 hours. They put out what they said, then realized, oh, wait a minute, that's too on the nose. So they changed it and you'll see what I mean. But it is changing. The definition of fully vaxxed is now going to become up to date. Whatever that means, whenever they want it to mean it, forever. And that's fantastic. Now, the other one was, as I forget off the top of my head, implantables. The discussion of implantables, but specifically how they're using the idea of the microchip to... Kind of hide what's really happening today. But it is now in your face again, the very conversation that we have been having from the very beginning that had been censored all the way up until now, that suddenly some more larger independent media people started discussing, which is good, but only the microchip side of it. And that's a really hollow argument because there's much more behind that. And now it's being pushed out even more. Still weirdly being called a conspiracy theory. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, a lot to get into other than that as well, but to start off with, of course, some foreign policy information and a Point to a really important article or excuse me, interview I just had this morning. But first, I want to just point something out very interesting. Periscope, which by the way, we still seem to be broadcasting on as far as I can tell, we're still broadcasting on Periscope on Twitter through this account, but yet when I try to look at Periscope through their website, using that same account, it says my account's been disabled. <laughs> just Who cares, really? But I just think it's hilarious to see that these... I, I, I think they're beginning to get confused about what they're supposed to censor and who and why and how, and it's just, it's kind of funny to me. But apparently we're disabled on Periscope. Meanwhile, we're still broadcasting on Periscope. I think that's probably in, in, because we're using Restream. So they've disabled the account, but Restream still has a connection to it, sort of like the Pirate Stream idea. So who knows when they'll stop that. But we still get about one, two, three thousand 3,000 views just on Periscope. And what's interesting on that note, just to make quickly, you add that up with what we're getting today. Back when we just primarily broadcasted on YouTube, which I'm still looking at it now, why that was ever happening, I'm confused about. But most people are like that. YouTube, and they, they lean into it. And most of the places are side discussions. You know, we'd get 10,000 views, 20,000 views on a video. Now, we are way past that. When you add up all of the places we're, be- you know, yeah, there's more work involved posting on different platforms. They know that, but we are three times that when you add up the different platforms: two thousand there, five thousand there, ten thousand there. So, sort of the Streisand effect, which I think they're beginning to realize, especially with people that are doing good work, like all the independent media people that we surround ourselves with, because they're really doing fantastic work, but. On social, uh, excuse me, foreign policy, to start this off, MF June points out a really obvious point here, and I'm glad he did because nobody else seems to be picking up on it, that this is the same old story over and over and over and over and over and over the thousandth time, sort of like with Palestine and Israel and how every other, during the, you know, the peak of that back and forth, in the last the last iteration of that illusion being driven by the illegal occupation of the Israeli government, you continue to see their rockets land in open fields and cause no damage over and over and over. And then you begin asking if there were even actually rockets fired, not to say that they haven't ever been fired. But if we just hear about a rocket that lands in a field, causes no damage, no one gets hurt, we don't see any images of anything, even though everyone's got phones, we go, wait a minute, did that even happen? Did it just become an argument they use to bomb places they want to bomb in Gaza, even though that's an illegal, obvious, overt war crime? This is Iraq, though, that MF Doom is pointing to, for those in the podcast, insider paper reports, breaking. Reports of attack on U.S. military camp at Baghdad International Airport in Iraq. Air raid sirens sounding. It's just the same ongoing story. And as he points out, same story we've heard time and time again. Rockets landed outside green zone. Empty truck left with rockets found. There you go. Perfect little bow. And every time I make this argument, and this is the silliest thing in in the world. So you're telling me these people drove up in a truck with rockets, with a rocket launcher on the back, because, you know, those are just a dime a dozen around there, right? Rocket launchers, well, kind of in a way, but the point being, nonetheless, that this is not something that's cheap and easy to come by as an average person that's not associated with the government, if that's what they're pretending. And they drive up a truck with a rocket launcher with rockets left on the rocket launcher and then fire one and then run away. We fleeing into the distance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They left the truck, left the rocket launcher and then left some of the rockets they didn't fire. Or (laughs) just a thought here, This is some obvious, coordinated, repeated effort that gives them the excuse to point at Iran and point to whoever they want to, to carry out their agenda. Even if we all know it's fake, it still gives them leeway. Just a thought. I'm not saying I can prove that that's always what happens, but yes, that has happened. Thank you, Doom, for pointing this out. It's just pathetic how flimsy and tired these narratives are. They continue. And the word pathetic just keeps coming up into my mind lately because it's just... It's just hard not to see how obviously flimsy this is lately in every aspect. Now, as Caitlin Johnstone points out, in regard to foreign policy in general, no, no, don't, you don't, you don't understand. The U.S. just needs to keep bombing and starving civilians and engaging in nuclear brinkmanship and arming extremist militias and supporting dictators and destroying any nation who disobeys it. I mean, otherwise, the world might be overtaken by a tyrannical regime, you know, for crying out loud. I mean, that's, that's the, peace by violence kind of idea that they pretend makes sense. It's, it's nonsensical. I mean, it's not that it's not possible, but it only ends up where you have a powerful group that ends up just filling that role themselves when they realize, Hey, we have all the power, typically how it goes, right? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. The, one of the shirts I've been wearing a lot lately is that, what is it? The the power corrupts no matter the party of the flag. I believe that was the Rye guys that sent me that. Thank you for that shirt. But come on, I mean, it's just so ridiculous that we pretend that's not happening. Even if you pretend they tried to do the right thing and then tripped over a stone and killed thirty million people, you know, whatever, <laughs> oops. Or they're just being what they always set out to be and hiding behind a thin veneer of doing the right thing, knowing that we want the right thing. Now, on that note, I had a really important interview today with the Vanessa Beale, in regard to what's been going on in Syria and and just a larger discussion about. Western state sponsored terrorism and the, and how the BBC plays an active role in covering that up about the white helmets, about MI6. And we stumbled across a really interesting point at the end about the white helmets and about the international aspect of what they're trying to become James Lemizier or however you want to pronounce his name. Being a key factor in this, ARK, ARK, the group behind that in general, funding and, and leading this building, rather, what is becoming an international apparatus of whatever you want to call the White Helmets, and you should know what they really are. The idea behind a group that is being used to pretend like they're helping people, it's exactly what the governments pretend in the West they're doing. It's just a local version of what they are. They pretend to help while doing whatever they want and stealing and raping and pillaging and trafficking. And all this has been reported by local people. The point, though, is that ask yourself what that could become in the context of COVID-19. We're talking about the strike teams and so on, right? Well, internet, the White Helmets being involved with the bio and chemical weapons attacks and coverage and, and all this, isn't it interesting that there's a possible overlap right there? where we could see this building into some kind of an always over meant to overlap kind of scenario. Interesting to think about at the very least, please take a listen. It's a really important interview. Syria is not getting enough attention from myself and a lot of other people just because of what's going on today, but it is all connected. That's the main point. It's all interconnected and not because we want it to be connected, but because it is connected. There's an obvious overlap between COVID-19, the biosecurity state and where all this was meant to lead. Now, on that note, I want to make a point about the, vi- the variant. And as somebody was commenting in the chat here, and you know this, this job can be, especially at the level that we're at and the work we do as an independent, nonpartisan outlet, is largely thankless. And I, I shouldn't even say that because you guys are constantly sending letters and everything that make me see the true impact that we are making. But in a general sense, you see even the larger independent media is continuing to grab up what we're discussing and a lot of other people in this field, and then just continue to shout it out there. And it does end up helping the overall point, as long as they keep going in the direction of objectivity, which most of them don't tend to do. But my point in showing you this is because this was on December 30th that we discussed this. This isn't the point about other independent media. This is the point about the mainstream and how they're only just now telling you this. Now, ask yourself. How is it possible that Ryan in his office is able to somehow get this information a week before the mainstream media is able to tell you it's happening when they're supposed to be on the breaking, cutting edge of the new information? Now, the reality is it's not that hard to re understand. You guys send this stuff to me. You're out there seeing this. You are part of the TLAV app, whatever you want to call it. You're out there researching, looking, sending things in, and we're doing our own research, our writers. It's, and we come across this stuff. It's not that hard to understand. The point, though, is the mainstream does not talk about things until you're supposed to hear them. They make sure that they drag, they dig their feet in and wait to be told when we're allowed to talk about things. Now, that's not the entire app. That's higher outlet necessarily. As I made the point earlier in the show today. Oh, with Vanessa Billy, in fact, the people like the Alison Morrow's of the world. Very honest, in my opinion, respectable people that are doing a hell of a job fighting against the narrative, who were previously on that side. So you have to understand, there's good people there. But this says breaking: Southern France reports spread of new variant. Now, I no way do I think this is something we should be concerned about. It's just it, Omicron is e- exponentially mutated, and we can clearly see that if that's even really what's happening, it's exponentially less dangerous. So all they want to do is hype the unknown. So this is no December 30th. We talk about this. Here is Forbes. And here, here's just a screenshot of it since they block you with paywalls. This is as of uh, yesterday. New variant. It's the same one. So we were seriously five days ahead of the mainstream media. Again, just recognize that's not really the case. They have much more resources than we do. There's a reason that this was sl- this is being drug out. Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily telling you why I, why that may be. But here is, again, the reason that we were ahead of this, December 29th. Here's the science behind showing you the outbreak of whatever this was the new changes the pcr you know and the point was guys that if you're just paying attention and you're actually doing your due diligence you yourself as an average individual can be a week ahead of the mainstream media and it's not because they are just bad at their jobs i do think that's part of it it's because they do not want you to see things until they tell you them no 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 don't read the WikiLeaks. that's a crime let us tell you what they say right Let us tell you how to think about whatever we're about to tell you. It's all here. We have it all piled up for a week right now. But we're sussing out and deciding how we're going to frame it for you. That's what's happening. Now here, Dave is pointing out, and I agree with this. This is absolutely crazy. Seeing the triple jab come down with COVID and immediately come online to inform the world how grateful they are for the boosters because they are certain, which I don't know how that could be certain, it could have been, quote, so much worse is quite frankly, the most amazing display of human stupidity I've ever witnessed. I, I really agree with that. As much as that's just a subjective point, people who are not agreeing with this aren't going to be swayed by what he says here. But just think about that. So first of all, people would say they're certain because, well, we saw the science. Well, first of all, they didn't see the science, most of them. They were told what it says by the CDC, by the media. Then those that did actually take the time to look at the data, who what the, who the CDC, the FDA, and the media are referencing... Should then have come become very quickly aware that there is no way they could know it's certain that it would have been less had they not had it because there's no way that's provable. It's impossible. All they can point at is what they say they found in their study, which remember, is simply abs- is relative risk reduction. That's all it is. So when they say ninety five percent this and that, that's a ninety five percent reduction compared to the vaccinated or unvaccinated individual, which by the way, is not that much because most people aren't that in risk, especially now with Omicron. So it ends up being pretty inconsequential and that's their data. So the point is the individual saying, "I so thank God, they're choosing to believe that because they want to. Looking back, we'll have to admit that. They will or whoever will. The point is there's no way they could know or even the media. But this is what we keep hearing. Defense Secretary, Lord Austin, triple vaccinated, face shield, mask, everything, constantly, everyone protected. I think... uh, Tucker was making a point about this and simply saying, look, the president is one of the most heavily monitored health-wise individuals in the planet, if not the, and yet they keep getting, they keep testing positive, things keep happening. He says, as my doctor made clear to me, my fully vaccinated status, which we'll get into in a minute, which is now shifting, and the booster I received in early October have rendered the infection much more mild than it would have otherwise been. The vaccines work. Well, no, because let's be clear. They sold them to you as stopping transmission, which I'm not going to stop making that point and neither should you because they're flagrantly trying to pretend that didn't happen. We all know it actually happened because they're on record and we can see it. It's amazing to me that people who don't want to acknowledge that will watch this and then just pretend that we're lying somehow. It must be a deep fake. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines and and that
2: vaccine uh, key goal is to stop the transmission to get the immunity levels up so that you
3: get almost no almost no uh infection going on whatsoever
0: everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. Ugh! What a willful, Id- willful, ignorant, willful idiot. I mean, what's incredible is that that was never true. That was literally never true. That was, been- th- what they're trying to do is f- conflate what they're claiming is happening under Omicron, because they've already let you think or told you that this changes everything. Oh, the mutations change every. Not really. Oh, at least even within their narrative, all it really changes is less tra- less dangerous. But they're pretending that's why. Well, no. This was happening under Delta and other things before that. It has not stopped transmission. They admitted that specifically for the first time, even though it was happening long before Delta, under Delta. Walensky admitted it on CNN about Delta. So let's not pretend like this is somehow stopping transmission then, but now Omicron, it never did. And they admitted that. So let you can't now pretend like having the vaccines work means reducing symptoms, which is literally what people on Twitter are arguing. It was always about reducing symptoms. It wasn't. It's that simple and easy to see. But this is why we continue to see that we're in some kind of mass psychosis situation. And, I, and now that that's become some kind of like coined term, it's losing its meaning, I guess. But you know, remember, we've been talking about this long before it was on the mainstream discussion. It is a, I, I was saying schizophrenia long before this ever came around. Remember, people's minds have literally broken and they did that on purpose. But you know, now I'm going to be referenced to some kind of shill because I'm only talking about what Malone said on Joe Rogan, right? You see how that works? Even though we've been discussing this in depth, without the with different terms for months and months before this ever became a talking point, even in the independent media, you see this is how this stuff works, guys. There's a reason we fight against this, even when it's being discussed in the independent, because there's ways that these are done. There, people don't even realize they're being used in these ways. Right? It's important. People. It's, it be, it, these days, it gets framed as some sort of a personal thing, and it's not—at least not for me. But here we are, as he's telling you, my vaccines work. And why? Because his doctor told him, his doctor made clear to him. Now, let's just say that that was how these things supposedly worked. How was his doctor able to tell in his body the vaccine made it less dangerous? You see what my point is? There's no way you could possibly know that. What, what if it didn't work? Like How about somebody is, I mean, even their argument is not 100%. They don't always work for everybody, right? So therefore, we just know, as a matter of fact, if you're not dead, it means that saved you. That's just a choice, guys. There's nothing that backs that up. They know that too. That's what's so incredible about this is they're just continuing to push this forward. It's the Rogaine analogy. I've said this many times here's a person times in times in says i tested positive on saturday and i'm having much more mild symptoms than the vax people i know who are sick right now i am i am in much better shape than they are however now this is just one person they could be lying it could be wrong blah 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 but it's everywhere and you'll find the same general discussion everywhere and my point i keep making there is an endless discussion right now even in the mainstream media of a, just a main vaccinated only parties who all got tested or a group entirely in an Antarctic station, completely disconnected from civilization where everyone was tested and everybody, I'll I'll point to that in a minute. And of course, everybody gets sick or most of them. The point is there's no way you make sense of that without realizing that the unvaccinated aren't playing a part in the real problem here, or the part at least how they're framing it. It's everywhere. Where are all the unvaxed parties and unvaxed beach parties and unvaxed barbecues and unvaxed gatherings that are just all super spreader events? All of the big spreading events we've seen involved in their narrative have come from the vaccinated parties. The Massachusetts one or all the different ones we keep hearing, even since Omicron or Delta. Alyssa Milano says 90% of the people I know have COVID. Now, think about what that means. I can't believe this is so obvious. So obviously 90% of people she's going to, 100% of people she's going to surround herself with these days, most of them, or let's just make it nonpartisan, anybody, anywhere, human nature, you're going to surround yourself with people of like mind, right? So obviously she's very pro do everything they're talking about. So 90% of the people she know have COVID. That means vaccinated people, right? A hundred percent. Or I mean, look, she says it right there in the next part, hundred percent are triple vaxxed. And thankfully, they have mild symptoms. A hundred percent of the people she knows are triple vaccinated. Ninety percent of them have COVID. What? And that and it works. See, it works. Ninety percent of them are sick, and that's why I know it works. <laughs> Unbelievable. We need to look at the vaccine like we look at seatbelts. A seatbelt won't prevent you from getting in an accident, but it can prevent serious... Right. And now we go pretend like it was only about reducing symptoms, despite them all saying stopping transmission. Alyssa Milano is just lying to herself like all the rest of them. I mean, here's the somebody... I, I think I I threw this... The, there a lot. I missed a lot of stuff that I had on the back burner today because I did the other interview, and I'll follow up with that stuff tomorrow. But I'm just remembering one right now that somebody said this in a tweet that I thought was very... Exactly. I mean, this is something that a lot of us have been kind of generally circling around, right? Obviously, they're telling you, and they're all openly saying Omicron is less dangerous, even though they're not, again, my point, they're never going to say that verbatim, but they're just going to tell, well, it doesn't look, though, and it suggests that it might be cowards because they want you to be scared. It might be dangerous, but they're telling you that it's mild. I mean, Botswana, South Africa, everybody's going, yeah, it's nothing. There's no hospitalizations are down 80% in South Africa. So when an unvaccinated person gets Omicron, well, it's just mild. When a vaccinated person gets uh, sick, it's not because Omicron, it's because the vaccine worked. So what about the fact that Omicron is just generally mild? Oh, no, it's because the vaccine, it's working. That's why I'm mild symptoms. Okay, again, a choice. They live in a world of subjective choices right now, and they're all happy to make them as long as it says, I made the right choice. It's crazy. This is, this is the psychosis. Dr. Eli David, health officials. Right, only now, by the way, and this is what we, this is the shifting of the narrative we're seeing everywhere. Obesity, a major risk factor for severe COVID. Oh, you mean like all of us in the beginning yelling about exercise and all the different things and literally being censored for that? Now it's acceptable to tell you if you're fat, you're in more risk. Yeah, shocking. That's exactly what we've all been telling you. But he says also, health officials, get your jab, receive a free donut, right? Go to Krispy Kreme, get a free burger, get a free beer. Clearly, they care about your health, right, guys? Here is Mr. de Blasio trying to get you to eat the, the Shake Shack. Here's some fries. We oh, we care about your health. Ridiculous. Here's Biden. Keep your kids away from unvaccinated people. This is not a joke. I mean, this is good. This is becoming clownish. Even to people on this their side of the narrative, they're starting to go like, okay, this is why I keep telling you that you are in the majority. Of people who are very aware this is not okay. By the it way, it's so funny, somebody in the chat saying that like in regard don't it shouldn't be taken that way in regard to the last point, right? No, I in no way am I shaming anybody. My point is simply to point out that if you if you are fat, if you are overweight, that's a that's a risk. If you want to be fat, go ahead. I don't care. Live your life however you want. That's the whole point of having a free society in a real free society where you could make your own choices, live how you see fit. But you shouldn't be offended when somebody tells you that that's bad for your health because it, it's a fact, right? That's all it is. You know, and, and, and look, I was I was very overweight when I was younger. I mean, I was I was overweight until quite recently before all of this. Even now, I could probably, I mean, the point is, it's just about a personal choice. It's not about shaming anybody. But it's become shaming when you just point out a reality around things that people are offended. You know, th- that that again is a choice. Now, keep your kids away from unvaccinated people. Weird point right now where they are literally telling you that this is not, there are exponentially more cases in the vaccinated right now, but they're going to pretend that they're all mild. Well, they're all damn mild, right? Let's make sure we're aware of that right now. That's what's happening. Uh, Even on the Delta side of this, because the vast majority of people that are unvaccinated are clearly having natural immunity as they're even having to admit as they're going look at this weird natural thing we're discovering. It's ridiculous. But he's telling you to keep your kids away or keep your kids away from unvaccinated people, even though they have higher viral load in the vaccinated. That kids are, have zero risk in general, statistically speaking, one in a million chance of dying, according to Oxford. So what's the point here? What's the what's the logic? It's just pun- it's punitive. They want you to be punished. You are not allowed. You, you are going to be the persona non grata. You cannot enter society. But don't forget, though, guys, it was always your choice, right? It's your choice. Biden said it was always your choice. For
1: parents with kids <clears throat> too young to be vaccinated, surround your kids with people who are vaccinated.
0: And for parents with kids. <clears throat> isn't that a strange thing to say? What do you mean surround your kids with people who are vaccinated? Like maybe I'm just reading into that, but that's a strange. I mean, what other context would you say surround your kids with people who are I don't know, think the same way or act the same way or live. I mean, it's a weird thing to say in any context, surround your kids with this kind of person. I mean, one, it just seems strange. But on top of that, I feel like it seems more interesting about why exactly. Well, we've talked about Dr. Warren, the discoverer of mRNA, who was first censored on Twitter when he admitted that you could shed the spike protein, very clearly could shed until they found out that he was the inventor of the thing and they pulled it back. And now he's very clearly on the same side as Dr. Malone. The two main people involved with the discovery of the mRNA and then the creation of the technology used for the vaccines are both telling you you're in a problem and they're both being censored. It's pathetic. I mean, think about how crazy that is. But I just think that's very interesting. So the idea is that this can shed. So people, if, if, if if the children can end up picking up the spike protein, can end up having problems, then I think that suits, achieves the same end. I mean, think about how weird that is
1: too young to be vaccinated surround your kids with people who are vaccinated
0: i don't know i just find that to be very strange now aside from what they might would call conspiracy theory he's simply telling you to keep people who aren't away now why are you dangerous if you're unvaccinated this is the same point they keep making there, These points, he's not saying if you're unvaccinated, you're an immediate threat, but that's what the morons of the world are taking from this. The uh, the people are listening to this Well, he's telling you they're a threat to my kids. That's how they think, oh, well, Iraq was involved with 9 because they give you those, those pretend, those, they allude to things like that. They suggest it without saying it and allow you to think it. And then later down the line, go, we never said that. If you're unvaccinated, you're not sick. You could be, but clearly so could the vaccinated. So what's the difference? But if you're unvaccinated, all that means is you have not taken that mRNA injection. You have not taken one of these injections. So if a kid comes around you, you're not a risk that kid unless you are sick with something. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be COVID. It could be anything. So all they're doing is effectively demonizing average people who have not been given a medical injection. Demonizing people. You are sick until proven healthy. This is the biosecurity state. That's what they're building in front of you. And here's President Biden in their war room. I mean, I I literally, I should, I'm going to actually use this coming up. They should have used this today. This is so ridiculous, guys. This is, oh, I'm saving it. This is them, as it reads. This afternoon, I met with members of my COVID response team to discuss the Omicron variant. Okay, so you got together with this big flashy room with your big response team, and your your I mean, for for Omicron, the thing that is overtly not dangerous that everybody's saying is everything deaths are basically non-existent. There's been two, unless oh, it's changed the last so many days. Uh, people who died with Omicron, not from. There's eight the hospitalizations have basically bottomed out, but cases are all over the place and they refuse to discuss the possibility of whether that's a good thing. But Omicron, let's all get together and make a scare movement about how we're in a war with Omicron and our efforts to combat it in your body. We are working every day to increase testing capacity. This is what it's about, keeping you scared, keeping you on the hook so we can keep testing, keep the cases rising, with whether or not, just until we can jump into whatever next happens, whether we lie about some new thing, whether we make something happen, whether we release something else, who knows? Keep it going get more americans vaccinated and support our hospitals. Support our hospitals? What does that even mean? There's nothing happening with the hospitals. Guys, this is the crazy part. All of the data you can find, especially with the places in UK that are getting the FOIA requests, will tell you. They have like one case throughout the entire system that they have people who died only from COVID. This is an illusion. We will get through this together. This is this whole room itself is just amazing to me. I mean, is that even real? I mean, it looks like oh, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it does look like one of those rooms. But regardless, this is unnecessary and it's all theater, especially with what's happening right now. Oh, and then he jumps over to his personal account, and does the same thing. If you're fully vaccinated and boosted, high, you are highly protected from Omicron. That's statistically obviously not true. Everyone's telling them that's not true, except all they're trying to pretend is that it reduces the symptoms. So a very mild thing that's not hurting really anybody is... Being reduced, so then why are they having mild symptoms? If so, is the unvaccinated guy right there is having mild symptoms. So you have this thing that's supposed to reduce it dramatically, and you're having mild symptoms. So you're having the same thing, even though you're supposed to have it better, right? Because it would have been worse. Okay, if it would have been worse, how does that reduce the symptoms if I'm getting the same thing and having mild right here without anything? On top of that, you add the risk of myocarditis, the obvious risk, the one thing that they're admitting is clearly there. But The other things they're not admitting are the increased risk of stroke, cardiac event, blood clot, vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, seizures, Bell's palsy. I could keep going. All of these things are clearly there. To what degree? You can argue, but that's a risk. So why are you giving yourself a risk of something that's not necessary when this has clearly no actual change in what's happening? On top of the fact that both the UK and Scotland and plenty of others are showing you that the vast majority of hospitalizations and deaths are also on the side of the fully vaccinated. I've been going over that data relentlessly. Week 52, which is right now, of course, they just chose to skip. We'll follow up on week 53 if they do it. it says, And we have enough vaccine to get every American fully vaccinated, including their booster shot. Gee, I, that wasn't planned or anything. Remember when they ordered all those extra injections and we were like, see, it's going to go on forever. And they said, you're stupid. We're going to give them to other people. Here we are. Just like every other claim, they said, you're in a conspiracy theorist. And they chose not to look at. President Biden, back on his other account, Omicron is very transmissible. That's Oh, well, exactly. Well, oh, I guess we're leaving out the dangerous part because now it's just if it's transmissible, we're all going to die. Right. Clearly not. Much different than anything we've seen before. That's just blatantly not true. I mean, that's just what what he's actually saying is around the COVID argument, but that's not what he says right there. He wants you to think this is an unprecedented thing. It's not, though, but you can protect yourself. Yeah, there's a lot of ways. But all he wants you to do is get vaccinated, get boosted, wear a mask. Ah, we're back on the mask argument. Okay, so get a get. So first of all, get injected. Why? Oh, so you can then get boosted because the injections don't do anything. Get the boost and then you're good. Okay. See, so get vaccine first, which does nothing apparently, which they're all breaking down for you right now, but the booster does everything for seven days. Then it goes away. That's what they don't want to tell you. We could, brings everything right back for seven days. If you even believe any of this is even happening the way they tell you it is, which is always the caveat we should be asking, but then wear a mask, right? Because Biden knows, and he doesn't spread medical misinformation, wear a mask, right? But didn't they just tell you that the masks don't actually do anything in regard to cloth specifically? Yeah, they just finally rolled that out and admitted, okay, they don't work now, but only cloth and only because of Omicron. That's actually what they're arguing right now. Now let's go through and point out why this is absurd. This is asinine. This is an absolute blatant lie by the mainstream media. This is USA Today. It's on the Newsbreak app. I should have opened the USA Today one, but it's just irrational, and I'll show you exactly why. Before we even get into it, though, as you all know, I don't even need to say it, but I will. We have been talking about the cloth mask specifically since the beginning of this, and you all remember that this was absolute crazy censorship. There is no error in this conversation. If you argued that cloth mask don't work, you were censored instantly and laughed all the way to town. Oh, you're such a conspiracy there. It's common sense, man. It's just common sense. Remember how crazy that was? Well, here we are, guys. Can they not remember that? This is why I think a lot of the average people who were on their side are beginning to go, gosh, darn it, guys, come on. You had me, and I was yelling at people like Ryan for how dumb they were, and now you're telling me that they were right? But some of them, some of them who want to keep lying to themselves will latch on to why they say this changes. But others won't. And I think that's why this is shifting. But it says most people are still wearing cloth masks. Gee, I wonder why that would be. Maybe that's because you told them to, because you told them cloth masks were the only thing they should use in the beginning. And I'll, I'll go back and show you because I have the way back Machine, even though they tried to change that sense. He, it says here's why that's a problem with Omicron. See, just with Omicron. Still good for everything else, even though that's not what Lena Wen said. That's not what Gottlieb said. They basically said they do nothing. Just like we've been saying the whole time. But now the media is sprawling, trying to go, wait a minute, my head's going to explode. How do I fold this in without being a liar? Well, here's how. It says, your cloth face mask isn't protecting you against the coronavirus variant Omicron. The implication being, everything else is all good, but just Omicron is dangerous. Okay, so the only way that would make sense, the only way is if it's not the same size. Right. I mean, there's literally no other argument to say that Omicron is suddenly different and the mask doesn't work now would mean that it's different sized. Let's be clear right out of the gate. There is no evidence of that. No one's arguing that. And there's no way they the data they point to is not even discussing that. You'll see as common as cloth face masks have become. Gee, I wonder why. Again, because the CDC told you to wear them. We'll get to it. Health experts now say they do little to prevent tiny virus particles from getting into your nose or mouth and aren't effective against the new variant. Okay, well, those are two different things. Let's just be clear. That's the truth part first. Cloth mask, as well as medical and all the rest of them, by the way, we'll get into N95s too. You see, they're just slowly doing this. We're going to make the same argument from the very beginning that these things, none of them have a statistically significant effect on transmission of viruses. Not any fives, none of them, unless they're specifically designed in that field. And we'll make that point in a minute. That's the same point from before. They're just only now admitting one part of it that we've been screaming from the very beginning. Face masks, specifically cloth, do little to prevent tiny virus particles from getting into your nose or mouth. Period. Fact. Fact. That was a sensible fact in the beginning, but the say, and they're not effective against the new variant, which doesn't make any sense. There's no reason why that would be different than any of the rest of them, unless it changed size. Quote, cloth masks are not going to cut it with Omicron, says this researcher. Okay. Health experts are urging the public to opt for three ply surgical masks. Just recognize the way they said that cloth masks are going to cut it with Omicron. For all I know, that was taken out of context, but that seems to suggest very clearly that Omicron is just different somehow. In no way is that an argument that's made in this article or the NPR article, any of it. Health experts are urging the public to opt for three-ply surgical masks or N95s, KN95s, which offer more protection against highly contagious variant. No, they don't. They offer more protection against all sorts of things. Specifically, what they don't offer protection against is things that are the size of specifically what we're talking about coronavirus smoke we'll get into it i have the breakdown of the sizes and everything it's not true i'll even show you it right on the website from 3m that discusses what n95s can do this is a lie they're blatantly lying to you now there are some things that are higher in the size and i'll show you that too even viruses that can but in specifically discussing things like flu coronavirus they do not Omicron spreads more quickly and efficiently than other known coronavirus variants, and it's extremely transmissible. So here's where they get into how they're trying to mildly suggest and let you assume that it's because it's smaller. What they're saying is it spreads quicker, efficiently. Okay, that has nothing to do with the size of the virus, but they're arguing because it spreads more quickly, that somehow renders the cloth mask useless. That is, that's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. That doesn't make any sense even through thick fabric face masks. Okay, so why was Delta different? It's not, is the point. Several countries including such as Germany, Austria, have surgical mask requirements in place. So now they've just skipped and they've, oh, it's only the cloth mask. So this whole time, this whole two year period, we have been, re- so here's what we need to ask ourselves. Or we, we People need to stand up and say, if this was true, and this is just an honest adjustment of the reality, who's accountable for making us use cloth masks and why didn't we know until now? See, when you actually ask those questions, it becomes very obvious that they've known because I'll show you the data, which I have a thousand times, that shows you the only data you'll find on cloth masks. They knew, they knew the whole time that they wouldn't work in this regard. It's not like some new data just flew out that they discovered that made this make sense. That's the crazy part. Surgical masks, by the way, also don't aren't effective, statistically speaking, in regard to what we're dealing with. Now it says, which mask is most effective against Omicron? Okay, they just all they do they just basically dump it into N95 versions of respirators, N95, KN95, and KF94 respirators, and it's weird they leave out the not the N99s seeing as how that's more, more effective, which we'll get into in a minute, it just I don't even think they understand what they're talking about, are made out of material, which an electrostatic charge, which, quote, actually pulls these particles in as they're floating around and prevents you from inhaling those particles. Now, that is correct in some cases. Not all of them are like this. Some of them do this. But, of course, this is not the same. This in, in, When you it, factor in the size of the particles, it does not work the same way for everything. It says researchers at Duke University conducted a study last year, and don't forget the point is cloth masks, but N95s are also included, and that's why I was making that point there. A study last year to see which mask was most effective. The N95 masks were the most effective in blocking respiratory droplets, 99% to be exact, second best, surgical masks. Now, this doesn't make sense to me. First of all, I want to show you before I get too far in, this is the study that they're discussing, or the data they're pointing to for the most part, Omicron evades immunity better than Delta. Danish study finds multiple studies. Now, just to make this very clear, this was December 27th. I, I highlighted a bunch in here, but the real point is, is it says, we use Danish register data for the study. Danish register data. That's it. All individuals in Denmark have a unique identification. Oh, this is actually really interesting. That's why I highlighted it. So all individuals in Denmark have a unique identification number enabling cross-linking between administrative registers using this we obtained individual level level information on home address data on all antigen and pcr tests ever right have you ever taken for SARS-CoV-2 with the Danish microbiology database and records in the Danish so they just this is all if you've taken a test out there in, Dan- in Denmark and in the United States this is what they can do pull up data it's tied to who you are where you live and what you've done it's this is why If you've tapped into this infrastructure at all, you're on the hook. Households were defined based on residential addresses. We included households with two to six members, including care facilities, where many individuals share the same address. If two individuals tested positive on the same day, we excluded these households from the data. says we defined the primary case as the first individual within a household to test positive with a PCR test. The point is, guys, they tapped into a database, looked up PCR data on who tested positive, and did a basic assessment. So ask yourself how that in any way taps into how different one is from the other. All you're using is general data to show that it infects more people. That doesn't even get into why. And yet here we are going, see, it's more infectious. Therefore, that's why they don't work. Clumsy. Clumsy and pathetic. To finish off, it says, we classified individuals' vaccination status into three groups. This is interesting. One, unvaccinated, two, fully vaccinated, and then three, booster vaccinated. So wait a minute. If we're still using fully vaccinated, but you need a booster to be able to do certain things, how is that even considered fully vaccinated? We'll get into this in a minute. The reason they're so desperately trying to maintain both is because they don't want the fully vaccinated with two to turn on them. Because these people right now who think they're complying don't want to be suddenly shoved into another category just because they don't have the booster. But that's going to happen. It's already happening in Israel and everywhere else. My point is they're afraid to lose control of those people. That's what I think. But it says, Comirnaty, which by this is interesting. Full, what they define as fully vaccinated for, Comir, for actually I shouldn't say Comirnaty, for Pfizer Biotech, because Comirnaty is not being used in the United States, seven days after the second dose. Seven days. H- what? 14 days is what's always been listed. But now it's seven days after the vac- after specifically Biotech, Pfizer, 14 days after Moderna. Partially vaccinated individuals were regarded as unvaccinated. Right there. Partially vaccinated individuals were regarded as unvaccinated. The whole thing should be thrown out of whack because of that. All of vaccinated individuals, 85% were vaccinated with Pfizer. So the point being, it's simply data that is based on PCR testing. Yet they're pretending they know why that means Omicron's different. That's willful, willful. Dishonesty. But it's telling you N95 masks were the most effective at blocking respiratory droplets. 99% to be exact. Well, let's take a look at some of this information. Here is what the specifically Honeywell, one of the main producers of these masks, discussed for the N95s. As it says, here's the breakdown. I've shown you this many times in the past. It says right here removes 95% of 0.3 and above micron particles. 0.3 0.3 and above okay so if it's below that doesn't work okay that's very clear masks ending in 95 have a 95 efficacy and then it goes on to simply say there's 99s that have 99 percent. so i thought that was weird they left that out but here it is 0.3 microns the mask the masks filter the masks filter out contaminants like dust, mites, and fumes. Interestingly, they leave out viruses, seeing as how important that is today, right? Because that's not what they're made for and not what they're able to do. The minimum, minimum size of 0.3 microns of particulates in large droplets won't pass through the barrier, according to the CDC, minimum. Okay, so then we can look at the actual breakdown of these sizes, as you've seen before. For important things to look at here, at the bottom, are things like Zika virus, which are 45 nanometers. Right so there's a huge difference between these things. Now Zika or something that small is a very different conversation. We'll get into the nanometers in a minute. But here's coronavirus. 0.1 to 0.5 microns. Now by the way, I've this I've seen this discussed in a, basically 0.5 to in my opinion seems a bit large on what I've seen from the science. But 0.1 to 0.3 is what I've generally seen reported. Then note that wildfire smoke <laughs> is 0.4 to 0.7 microns. And remember that they even came out during that wildfire season and told you, don't get, don't use these masks. They won't stop it. Funny, right? But then note that you go all the way up to respiratory droplets, which are five to 10 microns. Then you go up to red, red blood cells, red blood cells in your body, seven to eight total microns. Okay. So if we're over here saying that this thing can stop, point three. Okay. That puts this specifically coronavirus specifically on mostly under that category. Mostly like the argument that the point three and above is where you get into the droplet conversation, which we know how that goes. So this means as they're telling you the vast majority of the time, even the best possible thing you can use does not stop the size of what that is. That's basic understanding. They just pretend that it's more convoluted than that. Now here, I jump in the gun a little bit, but I want so I'll say this now before we go back to the part. Here is the size of a flu, uh, a flu particle virus, one hundred nanometers. Okay, so flu is dramatically smaller, and it took me; it was really hard to find this. By the way, I think there's an e- effort to make this difficult to understand. Particle size analysis of viruses, particle and virus-like particles. So this is influenza, hundred nanometers. Okay. So recognize that Zika way down here at 45 is so, you know, a little, a, a little more than double Zika. You have coronavirus way above that at 0.1, I would argue, to 0.3, but this says point up to 0.5. And the reason I say 0.3 is simply because that's what you can re- look up the research for yourself. It generally puts it 0.1 to 0.3. So the flu, and you'll see why that's very relevant, is exponentially smaller. Now, going forward, as it says, The most effective in dropping respiratory droplets. Yeah, totally, because we're not talking about droplets. But then it says, Lena Wen, an emergency physician and visiting professor of health policy and management at Georgia, Lena Wen, who we've seen, said surgical masks are great and more affordable. Well, that's not actually what she said, isn't it? She said a lot more than that. We need to be wearing at least three-ply surgical masks. You can wear a cloth mask on top of that, but do not just wear cloth masks alone. Actually, what she said was they were useless. They were nothing more than facial decoration. Funny how they leave that part out. So, so did Gottlieb and the rest of them are telling you they don't work. Now, there's a reason that they're being allowed to say that now. But even then, they don't want to say it like she said it. They want to pretend that, oh, it's just work a little bit. Nope. They're, they're statistically insignificant. So too are the medical masks too, but we'll get to that in a second. Now it says, and that's only in regard to transmission, understand. While cloth masks can filter large droplets, which by the way, that's also not true. N ninety five, well, it depends on the size of them, obviously, but N ninety fives can filter both large droplets and the smaller aerosols that may contain airborne viruses. I, mean, I could just showed you this. That's simply not true. Depends, first of all, what the size of the virus is and what kind of virus. But when we're talking about flu and specifically coronavirus, it's obvious that's not true. Especially when we're talking about cloth masks. That's beyond a shadow of a doubt. But here they are, blatantly lying to you. And remember, this is all in the context of pretending that. Omicron is somehow different, despite the data, but the study they're pointing to be just being PCR related. That's all it is. Pretending that somehow now they don't work. They've never worked. Infectious disease expert, Stephen Gordon told Cleveland Clinic that all studies show Omicron is the most easily transmissible coronavirus variant. Yeah, that's what we're being told. Why does that have any bearing on cloth masks? And he says, that's why health experts urge a change in masks. You see, nobody's even trying to explain why that makes sense. Because when they do, you'd have to inevitably get into the size discussion. And that doesn't make, there's no evidence to back that up. Gordon added that while cloth masks help prevent an exhale of particles, it doesn't do much to prevent inhaling particles, which is a problem with Omicron. That's not true. We'll get into that next. See now, so what he's kind of arguing is that specifically... I guess Omicron is more dangerous because inhaling the particles is, that's where the transmissible part comes in, I guess. And then the argument is, well, because cloth masks only work one way, which was the early argument, remember, and we'll break this all down. That, that See, there, there, even this article is all over the map. Is it smaller? Is it because the one mask works, the other doesn't? Or is it because the, this works one way where those don't? How about the fact that N95s only work one way, right? You breathe out and it just goes, breathes right out. When you breathe in is when it stops it. So what about the grandma and that con- that conversation? Who cares? It's just about compliance, guys. There's never been data to back this stuff up the way they're pretending. So let's get into making sure you see why this is ridiculous. So don't forget, flu particle, 100 nanometer, na- nanometers, whereas coronavirus is 0.1 to 0.3 microns, exponentially larger. Respiratory droplets in general, 5 to 10 microns. So here is, The CDC discussing your cloth masks. This is what they don't want you to see because here's current. Here's what they say now. Your guide to masks. They don't want you to remember that they were pushing. that The actual URL used to specifically say cloth masks. Now it says about cloth-based coverings. This is all the way back on May 23rd, 2020. CDC or COVID-19 spreads mainly from person to person through respiratory droplets. Well, you notice how that's changed a thousand times since the beginning. Now, this was never the case. I shouldn't say never. The point was it spread by aerosolized particulates, which we said from the beginning, because that's what the data showed. They tried to lie to you about that because they knew right from the beginning, as the data showed the scientific research that these cloth masks, just like they're now admitting had no ability to stop what we're talking about other than big, massive glob spits, of glob, uh, globs of spit. The point being that that was always what they were meant for, stopping blood and spit from flying into open wounds. Nothing to do with transmission. That's what they're basically telling you. Sneezes, coughs, talks, right? But here's where it says, wear cloth face coverings, which they don't do. Let's be clear. Even if you don't believe everything I'm saying, despite the fact that it's easy to look back at my coverage and so on, note that they're telling you right here, wear cloth face coverings. So even if you believe me, or don't believe me, you can at least point out that they were wrong. So. If they're wrong, then couldn't they be wrong now? Yeah, they could. But yet we're not allowed to challenge what they say. Exactly. But it says CDC recommends wearing cloth face coverings in public settings where other social distancing measures can be difficult to maintain, such as grocery stores, pharmacies, gas stations. Cloth face coverings may slow the spread of the virus and help people who may have the virus and do not know where, not know it from transmitting it to others and do not know it from transmitting to others. Oh, who have it and don't know it. Cloth face coverings can be made from household items. None of this makes any sense because they're telling you right now, that's not how these work. But yet here they are telling you that. So what changed? There has been no evolution of the understanding of the information. So understand, they just, they said this in the face of the data back then. Now they're saying what they're saying today in the face of the same data. How do we not see how obvious that is? They're lying or choosing to misrepresent it for another reason period. It's always been there, just like we've been saying from day one. Now, let's jump forward a little bit. Let's jump forward to June 30th, 2020. About cloth the cloth face coverings. Okay, it's slightly shifting. Now it says, uh-oh, wait a minute, a cloth face covering may not protect the wearer, remember this shift, but it may keep the wearer from spreading the virus to others. This was the protect your grandma shift of the narrative. Isn't it funny how we can walk back, walk through the narrative like this and see how flimsy and wrong and overtly dishonest they are? I mean, nothing changed. They just changed what they said. Now today they're going, well, now they don't work because we're say so. Well, that's not true. As we're seeing now, they don't, and this is this is going back to what he was trying to argue at the end there. His argument is well, no, it only works one way. It stops them from blah, blah, blah. That's not true. That's what they're shifting to here. Why is it important to wear a face covering? Cloth face covering. Only cloth, though. Cloth face coverings may help prevent people who have had COVID from spreading the virus to others. Wearing a cloth face covering will help protect people around you. Nope. Not at all. I mean, it's it's the same. It's a piece of fabric. It works both ways. Why in the world would it stop it from going in, but not stop it from going out? Or stop it from going out, but not stop it from going in? This is irrational. It's just common sense, guys. Well, <laughs> here we are today. We're now there. Oh, don't use that one. That's the best. It's it's out of control. But let's take a quick dance back to what we were telling you right from the beginning, as we just said a moment ago. Here's always been the de- the evidence. Always. This is the only random controlled trial of cloth masks that they just pretend isn't there. Penetration of cloth masks by particles, not droplets, particles, was almost 97%. Or excuse me, I take that back. The particle size we're discussing in here is generally the size of a droplet. The articulates are the aerosolized discussion. Either way, it's the same point it doesn't stop it. 97%, even medical masks, 44%. If 50% of the time, it, it's just going right through, it's not statistically significant. But the main point is on top of the fact that they're now saying it didn't work and, and per failing to per admit that they've been forcing this and telling you it worked and keep you safe. And they knew that the whole time it wouldn't is the fact that it shows right here, the study of the, the only random controlled trial of cloth masks, cautions against their use. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may increase your risk of infection. As a cautionary measure, they should not be recommended. But here we are, using them anyway. They knew this. They pushed them anyway. I genuinely believe it's because of the fact that they would get people sick. That can sound like conspiracy theory all you want. You prove me wrong. I think it's obvious we're seeing is this was a willful choice. And now they're rolling back the narrative without admitting that they were wrong because they're trying to go, oh, but Omicron changes the narrative. Omicron's different. That's why they don't work. They're hiding their in inco- They're hiding the fact that they lost control of this narrative behind just blatantly arguing Omicrons without saying it a different size. These are cowards. They need to be held accountable for the fact that they got this wrong or they lied to you or they wanted to get you sick or whatever you think. Because here it is again, May 2020, right in the beginning 10 random control trials, pooled analysis. They found no significant reduction in influenza transmission. So here's where we come back to the point we were just making. Remember this when they go, oh, it's not the same thing. It's not influenza, you conspiracy theorist. Well, you're right. In fact, you're right. It's not influenza. Influenza is dramatically smaller than COVID-19. 100 nanometers. Okay. So if it's not, if it's in pooled, where was it? Analysis, they found no reduction in influenza. I guess you could make the argument that being larger, it might be able to stop it. But the overall point here is there's limited evidence for the effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by infected persons for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. And then we can simply just dance back to the reality here of seeing that even N95s are 0.3 and above. There is no level at which these things are being stopped, even from influenza all the way up to COVID-19. This is their information. I'm not arguing some subjective point as they are. I'm simply pointing to the reality. Their random controlled trials as they point to observational and expert opinion, which is the lowest level of actual evidence. Random controlled trial being the top level of evidence. Now here is just a general search for masks. And I mean, we've been talking about this for so long. Some of the ones further down are more important. Specifically, the, the point is, here's the general search for masks. We've been doing this for a long time. You can research these if you want. The point is, guys, this has been obvious from day one. And now they're just telling you what we've been saying. Now, to roll this into the next part of this discussion, here's Rachel Cohen pointing out the text I've been having with my COVID positive doctor friends recently, as it points out. And this is the point of them screaming that this is all super serious. Of Biden saying, don't put your friends around the vaccinated or unvaccinated because they're super dangerous. Well, here's what they're saying to doctors. I just got, or what doctors are saying. I just got cleared to go back to work today, day four. I'm livid with how the conversation just went with health services. Person tell me, just uh, no test, I'm assuming. We're encouraged to get doctors back to work. No test. I was saying that I haven't been quarantined for five days, but she didn't care. Now, I'm not arguing that they should be or testing is necessary. I don't believe that. But what we're seeing is doctors who are agreeing with the narrative, who are just going to skip the test. I know you're in quarantine. It should be one more day. We need you back to work. Go back to work. No test. Just get back to work. I just got a call saying that I get back to work tomorrow instead of quarantine until the 30th. My rapid pest was positive yesterday, but they don't give an F. Right. Okay. So it's so dangerous. We're telling you to keep your kids away from unvaccinated people, but we're going to rush back doctors who we don't even know are sick because they, why? You see, the narrative has nothing to do with your health. That's the point. None of this has to do with your health. And that's why this little clip here was so powerful. This is by a guy from Bob's cartoons. But just listen to what he has to say. A very a very intelligent person. This is exactly the point. And we've discussed this already. This is not a new point. But it's powerful to hear it in the way he describes it. That they knew this information. They've chosen to risk your lives for what they think is the right thing to do. Now, even if you believe that, I don't believe that's why they did it. I don't think it's about right or wrong in their minds. It's about achieving an end. But either way, recognize they chose to essentially kill people to achieve what they wanted. Even if you believe that means saving more lives down the line. Why is that a choice they get to make? But listen to the way he describes it because it's obviously much more nefarious, in my opinion.
1: If you lock people in their homes, if you shut down frontline healthcare, if you um, introduce a situation where mental health goes through the roof, where you drive people to suicide, where you destroy their businesses, where you put them into extreme poverty, you make them homeless, you implement measures as a government, you take that direct action that does those things, it will kill people. It has killed people. It will go on killing people for the next 10, 20 years. Now, the government itself commissioned a report into the effects of the first lockdown, which said around 200,000 people could die over the following 10 years as a result of that first lockdown. It was on the front pages of the newspapers. It was on the front page of the Telegraph. That was later revised up to 500,000 people. And the way it was reported was to say, oh, uh, there's a chance that lockdown could kill more people than the virus. That was such an irresponsible way to report it. What they should have said was, our government is prepared to murder 200,000 people to control the spread of a respiratory virus. If they had reported it like that, if that had been the headline on BBC News, people would have woken up to what was going on and they would have said, this is wrong. But there's this idea that it's to do with a balance of numbers. Oh, well, as long as the virus kills more people, that's OK. It's not about numbers. This doesn't come down to numbers. Ethically speaking, what lockdown means is that your government is prepared to kill this group of people over here. And it knows that they will die. Okay, you can't, th- this, these claims that, oh no, they couldn't possibly have known it's collateral damage, oh, it's an accident. No, they knew because they told us. We're going to murder these people over here because we think, we don't even know it's a hunch that this other group over here won't get a respiratory virus. Huh.
0: I mean, it's absolutely spot on, 100% right. It, it all just comes down to framing and verbiage, terminology. It's obvious that this was the re- the, the point is they had his study. And we just we actually discussed that back when that came out, that they did their own study. And all their argument was, is that they, you know, this is why they keep building that long, never ending number as if it still has meaning over the process of two sprawling years. Oh, for a million total this and that in cases or how many deaths or whatever they keep arguing. That because they want to point to that and make that the rationalization for why it was okay that they chose to kill these many people with their lockdowns, which absolutely happened. And maybe that's why they were so aggressively trying to conflate the numbers and flood the numbers and add to the numbers because that's how you make it look like it made sense. Now, what note the engagement on this. 2,000 likes, 137 quotes, 1,220 retweets. People are tapping into this, guys. From all walks of life. Just take a look at the th- the comments. People from all sides of the political spectrum are very aware that there's something wrong happening right now. And they are so desperate to make you think it's a partisan divide. It's not. It was never about your health. Which is exactly this point in regard to all. The th- We've been making this from the very beginning. Gloves, Masks. It's absurd to pretend that we're all worried about climate change and pollution and all uh, while doing the thing that is exponentially increasing the problem in regard to pollution and and waste more than in any other point in in, in the in re- living memory that I can see. Remember during 2020 the first so many months of this people the the, the groups out there fighting for the environment were freaking out screaming, no one's listening to them then or especially not now, about how the masks and the gloves were crazy, that we would see a huge problem with just a soap, just a few more months. Nobody even cared. The very people that were screaming about how we're all destroying the planet were all wearing 35 masks a day. So they didn't care. Hypocrites. Here, as In This Together points out, we must do something about climate change, we must do something about pollution, we must do something about fossil fuels. Unless we're frightened of getting a cold, then none of that matters at all. And here we are. Look at this, guys. This is all masks and gloves and garb. This is all PPE. That's all that is. That's incredible. Now, in your oceans, we've already shown you, just and it's a it's an we are destroying the planet faster than it's ever been happening with the masks and the gloves alone. And then they're still doing all the other stuff that people pollution and fossil fuels and whatever else, guys. I mean, and and just so we're clear, it's not to suggest that climate change is not the most absolutely, obviously politicized, well, I shouldn't say maybe not the most politicized today, but very politicized. But yes, we are destroying the planet. And yes, those two things can be discussed simultaneously. That yes, the climate change conversation is completely manipulating you. And yes, we are destroying the planet and doing a lot of terrible things. They make that happen that way. So we don't actually change because they're making too much money. But here is an interesting breakdown before we get into the microchip discussion of the the difference of what thing, or at least how we used to perceive what journalism was, or rather how the mainstream media pretended. Because journalism has always been this way, if anybody's honestly being a journalist. But for those on the podcast, it shows journalism, and it shows a person on a podium speaking, and it shows the supposed media member with a question mark, with the microphone, asking the questions. You know, Define that for me. What did you mean by this? That's before. Well, now journalism is the person speaking on the podium. And then the media with a blowhorn screaming it at the people. That's what we see today. The media, the CD, the, the, the health apparatus, the, the politician, everybody, or rather the, the, the politicians and the health apparatus and the government all tell the media and the media turns around and tells you. Is that journalism or is that just being a stenographer as I've been calling them for years? They're just government stenographers. They're telling you what they're supposed to be telling you, and that's pathetic, which is why we find ourselves in this kind of conversation. This is January 3rd from Reclaim the Net. It was .org. See, I was saying that. I don't know why I didn't think. I was saying Reclaim the net.net. I thought that sounded funny. Reclaim the Net COVID passport microchip developer says chipping humans is happening whether we like it or not. Direct quote. The plan is to, quote, transform healthcare on a global scale. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, that But see, in the other context, that's a conspiracy theory, right? We point to the idea that people like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab are discussing openly how they want to transform any part of the world. You're such a conspiracy theory. But when it comes out in the mainstream, well, that's because we're doing it for freedom and good things and blah, 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 right? It's always a choice. We live in a ridiculous, hypocritical, subjective world where people just choose their own truth because that's how they've created it. Not everybody, but that's what they want. They want you to be driven into that world where you just fall back apathetically into whatever they want you to think because it's too difficult to find out. Toward the end of last year, tech startup Disruptive Subdermals, lovely name, announced a microchip installed under the skin that can be scanned to reveal COVID vaccination status. <clears throat> now, we've talked about this already. This, this, this image is a joke. Yes, they exist. But to pretend that that's the cutting edge of what we're dealing with today is is an absolute intentional deception. I mean, beyond, this is obvious because of how far back this goes. And I'll briefly give you that background again. But let's be clear. The idea of any microchip, specifically even using that term, I even think the term microchip is wildly outdated to what we're actually referencing, not this big rice. I mean, that's even bigger than a grain of rice, but this gigantic thing in your fingers that supposedly has a microchip in it. We're not even talking about that today, especially when we get into the idea of nanobots and this kind of stuff. But that's they're, point, they're pointing back to the 1990s clunky microchip, and now that's where they want you thinking. But the idea of anything, especially a term of a microchip, being installed under the skin that can be scanned to reveal COVID vaccination status is still called a conspiracy theory right now. Even though it's always been real and it's always been researched and it's always openly been discussed, it's a conspiracy theory on Twitter. And they scan, they will call you fake news and give you a warning label, even censor your account if you make such allegations. That's because all they do is try to conflate what you're saying with the idea that you're suggesting it's in the vaccine, which somebody may be doing. But even then, I don't know why that's off the, off the table. It's obviously a valid thing to consider seeing as how they have open studies about how that might be happening in the future. Oh, crazy fake news. But my point is that this is a double level manipulation that we are obviously being allowed to talk about this now because clearly they're wanting to slowly transition to this, but showing you something like this that's absurd. The technology was criticized with many calling it invasive. No, many calling it fake and not even happening. It says in an interview with Express, which is right here, COVID microchip developer says there's no stopping the rollout, whether we like it or not. The developer of the controversial new COVID microchip, literally calling it the COVID microchip, while it's not while it's fake news, that is embedded in the skin, has hit back at critics who slammed the project as an exclusive interview with Express. It goes on to say the technology is a pre-programmed and scannable implant about the size of a grain of rice. It stores the vaccination information displaying a person's COVID vaccine passport when scanned. Smart implants are a powerful health technology. That is what we are building at Disruptive, and our goal is to transform healthcare on a global scale. Oh, I guess we don't have a say in that, right, as the individuals who that's going to be done on. Joel Bold said the technology makes the vaccine passports more accessible let not, this is, obviously this company, which we'll show you in a moment, is broader than just vaccine passports, but this is obviously where this is leaning into, and this is obviously the massive boon, and they see it too. So as much as they want to tell you, no, 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 we do all sorts of other things too, they are clearly leaning into this as their primary mode. It says, this means it is always accessible for me and for anyone else, really, who wants to read me. That is not what they wanted you to see. They don't get into that anywhere else, but recognize what he just said. This means if you have this in your arm, this is accessible for me or really anybody else who wants to read what is in my arm. For example, he says if I go to the movies or go to a shopping center, then people will be able to check my status even if I don't have my phone. Now, yes, they're suggesting the people at the counter, but what about anybody else? What about the government? What about anybody anywhere? Of course, they're going to tell you next this is not how this thing works. But what they leave out is obviously, which you can see right there, how it can work. You see, it's just, is the technology possible to do that? Obviously. So it says, are you a researcher looking for sensor implants? Right? That's what this all is. Again, really just leaning into this rice-sized gigantic thing, which may be exactly what this company only produces, but realize that is not even remotely where this technology is right now. It says, business solutions, are you interested in exploring the opportunities of implantables? We develop and manufacture bespoke implant solutions for clients in all industries, you know, new and avant-garde, <laughs> which is so silly because this is my point. That's exactly the point. Bespoke, right? Basically made for a particular customer or user, but they're trying to make it seem like some new cutting edge thing. That's not what we're talking about. Here is the other discussion specifically of the implantable. This is where you're seeing this whole conversation with Jimmy Dore was discussing using implants for storing COVID vaccine certificates. It says disruptive does not sell or design implants specifically for COVID certificates. Implants can be used for many things. And one of them is that they can be a a user of a chip can add any info they want to add to their device. You see, so this is going to blend with like the metaverse conversation where you can add information and bring up things and blah, blah, blah. So this was meant to just be something that scans and it's one way and that's it. And it's never going to go further than that. Why would they make it usable and ubiquitous to all sorts of other things? That's not how this is meant to. This is going to be something that is going to grow into something else. This can be, for example, links to websites, right? Why would you want that if it can only go one direction? A v-card file or link to COVID certificates. Disruptive has no control over insight into what the users of their tech put their devices. Our implants cannot be used for tracking a location of a person. That's not true. What they're saying there, and this is my point of, well, you could look, the the owner or the the guy, this is the guy speaking on the record with Express. And he says, Anybody can scan this information. Anybody wants to read me. So what they're saying here is our plants can't be used for tracking or, oh, excuse me. I jumped the, lo- the location is what they're saying there. That's not true though. The implants, as they have them at the moment, if you even believe them, are designed in a way where that's not part of it. But let's not pretend for any moment that any kind of a chip like this can't be added like that or the RFID purpose of it can't be used to do so. Of course it can't. The implants are passive, meaning they, only, they have no battery. And we'll get into next why that doesn't matter. Or actually, you know, I don't think I brought the video up today, but I'll make the point. They cannot transmit information independently, which again is because of how they're a- arguing they're designed. Not that they can't do that. They very much can. Implants are only activated mom- mom- uh, momentarily when their user touches them with a smartphone or whoever else wants to do so. And that's, of course, again, just how they're designed. You don't need to have a smartphone. There's these things can send signals and so on if they want to make it that way. And are these things designed to be able to be updated so they can do that tomorrow, the next day, a week from now? Or is that have to be a new one that's implanted? Who knows? The business of Disruptive is to design and manufacture smart implants for human use. We are convinced that sensor-equipped implants represent the new paradigm in healthcare. Yeah, but see, what they're telling up there is, no, it's not about health or passports. It's just one of the things we do, even though they then very clearly tell you. We see the dollar signs and where this is all going. And it's a new paradigm of healthcare. Millions of people are using health logging wearables. Just like Klaus Schwab is telling you, this is the future. Not next year or 10 years from now. Right this moment, the fourth industrial revolution, which he's telling you is currently happening. Wearables are expensive, fragile, and have short user life lives due to a lot of wear and tear. Sensor-equipped implants represent a safe, affordable, and robust alternative to wearables. Like, we're barely even on the wearables discussion, and we're already discussing why they don't work. And here's the next thing we enable some key paradigms in health remote monitoring and preventative medicine. I mean, guys, they just said remote monitoring is the ability to continue to look at this from outside your body, monitoring, not just a scan. And then preventative medicine is the medical pre crime. So, it's just, it's a, it's a, they're clearly trying to calm your nerves about obviously where this is clearly being built to go now we discussed this in a little bit in depth on this one of this recent shows in regard to the nanotech and the implantables and all the different discussions actually that may be where i can grab this from if we want to grab it right now since i since i brought it up yeah this is it just really quickly we'll play this one part where he discusses the body again right there there it is
2: drifting in the air currents flex of computing power settling the mu chip going to just become invisible. We're still essentially the banging the rocks together stage for this sort of stuff. And you haven't really seen anything yet. So this is closer to the end of the vision. This is this powder sized chip um, and that's a salt crystal. So this is a small thing. It's something called the mu chip from Hitachi. It's the smallest commercially available RFID system in the world. And can be pulse powered by radio waves. It doesn't require a battery. You can literally scatter this stuff like dust or embed this into a sheet of paper. And you know what the really interesting thing about this technology is? This was commercially released 10 years ago.
0: Hold on, I found this. I'm going to play this.
2: So, uh, the inevitable dust. of smart dust. Uh, well, uh, smart dust, well, of course, isn't a new concept. It's the orig-
0: Just so you guys can hear it better.
2: anything yet so this is closer to the end of the vision this is this powder sized chip um, and that's a salt crystal so this is a small thing it's something called the mu chip from
0: this this is being discussed in 2014 the mu chip has been available since
2: 2004 it's the smallest commercially available RFID system in the world and can be pulse powered by radio waves it doesn't require a battery you can literally scatter this stuff like dust
0: doesn't embed- require a battery it runs on your body's energy and they'll show you the next one so this argument that that doesn't it doesn't have batteries so therefore it can't be used to re- to spy on you or whatever they're trying to argue edit into a sheet of paper and you know what the really interesting
2: thing about this technology is this was commercially released 10 years ago so the inevitability of smart dust so what is smart dust well Smart dust, of course, isn't a new concept. It originated with DARPA back in the 90s. Exactly. And it's general-purpose computing, sensors, wireless network, networking, all bundled up into millimeter-scale sensor modes, drifting in the air currents, flecks of computing power settling on your skin, ingested, monitoring you inside and out. And if you don't think that's possible, this is the Michigan micromote. It's a cubic millimeter in size. And uh, in deference to the speaker before, yes, it runs an ARM processor. Um,
0: it's a tiny computer, and it features data pro- uh, processing. data. Right, it has a transmitter, runs on your body's energy.
2: The storage, wireless comms, and it's probably as close to the true wireless smart dust comms. vision from the early DARPA days as we've come so far. They're designed to harvest energy from the environment around them and to communicate via mesh network. And, of course, the energy is the key problem with this can make the computing small, the energy is hard.
0: Now, that's the gist of it. Now here, by the way, what's interesting is we discussed this a while ago. Now, this wasn't everything, but there was one one specific brand that came out that showed that there were specific masks that were made with RFID chips in them. That just got dropped, but it was very clearly real. I mean, and they just got dismissed as some specific side thing. Isn't that interesting? But here's the video. We'll include that as well. But just so we can see, guys. This is the reality of where we are right now. This is Hitachi's tiny MU chip, and this is discussed in 2006. It came out in 2004. How small is small? Consider it this way. The Mew, the Mew chip that has been in mass production since 2001 features a 0.4 millimeter on its side, so you can hide it comfortably under a grain of salt. The newest, however, generation MU chip on SO, uh, SOI measures 0.15, I think it's millimeter on its side. So you could hide about a dozen of them under a grain of salt. A dozen. How thin is thin? The current generation is 60 microns thick. 60 microns. So this comes back into the discussion of what we're talking about here, right? So bacteria is one to three micron. Seriously? This is unreal. Where were we? Here we are. It says about three quarters as thick as a piece of paper. (laughs) which is typically about 80 microns thick. The new generation is uh, SOI is only 7.5 microns thick. So a stack of 10 would still be less than a piece of paper. This is 2004. And we're going to pretend like this is the current reality, right? Oh, sure. And this is why when people discuss this as, you know, breaking the information without giving you the full discussion, they're, they're leading you astray, even if they don't know that. Because they're being allowed to talk about this now. That's the point. It's very clear that there's something alarming going on. And this is where we need to understand that these things are trans- they can transmit, they can run on your body. This is dust, literal dust that you wouldn't even be able to see. We should ask whether this is already everywhere and everywhere. I mean, there's no reason this wouldn't have been spread. I mean, there's obvious discussions to be had here. Now the point comes back to the idea of what we're actually dealing with is uh, where were we here? The injection. And whether or not this is something that's going to be tied to this, whether it's in it, whether it could be used with it, whether the passports will be tied to it. And that's all fake news. We're not even allowed to discuss this right now, even as they're telling you it's going to happen whether you like it or not. Let's not forget that somebody like Klaus Schwab, as I keep telling you, has been repeatedly, openly telling you that this is the future. This is what's coming. I think it was this one.
3: So people assume...
0: Uh, we- now, that's not the right one. Let me give you the full clip for those that might not have seen it. And yes, I know I've played it a few times. It's important to see this full clip breakdown, though, because of how all of... And that here it is, the fourth industrial revolution part of this.
3: What the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. The difference of this first industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, Uh, just as an example. It's you who are changed and of course this has a big impact on your identity. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity so people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world, which we had, um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal, in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, see,
0: see. The cut, the cut. Obviously, the reality being, and he's telling you very clearly, we are not going back to normal. I don't know why people can't hear him tell you that verbatim, as well as the fact that this is the fourth industrial revolution, which he's telling you that's happening right now. And the points of what he's saying about implantables was back before that, when he was discussing the fourth industrial revolution as some distant future. He's telling you right now, that's now. And there he is telling you it's about changing who you are, blending your biological identity with your technological identity. We're talking nanotechnology implantables. That's his, That's he. there's endless interviews with him telling you about implanting things in your body, which is the next step. It's amazing. And now, when you point back to this clunky, arbitrary, this thing that's not the reality, it makes you think you're further away from what's really happening right now. Now, here is what I've shown you before, before we jump on to the last part of this, generally. This is discussed back in 2018. Compulsory moral bio-enhancement should be covert. Now, this is one but amongst many. That have argued, well, if we're going to do what he's telling you is going to happen, it shouldn't be told to you. If moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, which by the way, the idea that's moral is the assumption there, then it's administration ought to be covert rather than overt. A covert compulsory program, which like, for instance, will be putting this stuff in the injections and not telling you that, values such as, uh, promotes values like liberty and and equality. That's what they're actually arguing. These are the same people arguing we should do this, but not do we should do it without them knowing because we know this is the right thing. And if they tell them, it's going to make them upset. So it's actually more in line with liberty to just trick them and not tell them what's happening. I don't know why we shouldn't be concerned about that as we're staring in the face of what's really there. And then they come out and go, this is what we're doing. And they're obviously lying. I am very alarmed about what that shows us. Hopefully people can think for themselves on the idea of the fully vaccinated definition, which is obviously ridiculous and obviously the point of how they're continuing to drive the injections, which kind of ties in with what that might be doing, what that might be the reason for why they might be doing that. Here is an, uh, another overt example of how they're trying to rewrite history in real time and hide what they're doing. As I posted on, this was on January 4th, 2022. The language around what constitutes fully vaccinated is being replaced. A direct quote. And I said, and here we are. We told you this would happen. They said it was wrong. We were crazy. We were fake news. And here we are. Now they're doing it. And we're still fake news. That perfectly makes sense. Now just take note, first of all, that it says right there. The language around what constitutes fully vaccinated is being changed. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the article as it was first. Up-to-date shots replacing the term fully vaccinated. Fauci says. Right. Well, interestingly enough, when I went to look at it today, it looks totally different. Weird. Now it says up-to-date shots encouraged over fully vaccinated. Isn't that weird? So did, did did they just change it? Well, yeah, they absolutely changed it. And what's weird down here is they say January 4th story with new information on CDC guidelines and comments from January 5th White House COVID team press briefing. So they updated it. Why? Apparently because the White House reached out and said, no, change that. We updated it based on either CDC guidelines, which has nothing to do with what they're saying, or comments from the White House is what it says right there. So the, the White House reached out to this news outlet and said, change that. And they changed it. I mean, you tell me if I'm misunderstanding that. Great journalism, guys. Speaking truth to power until they tell you to change it. Good job. Okay, now let's go back and look at this and let's take note of what they changed. Anything that's highlighted is what's changed. Okay, so we're here, let's look at the first part. The full first two paragraphs are gone, or rather, excuse me, the first paragraph. And then, so what now it says, federal health leaders are moving away from an emphasis on what constitutes being fully vaccinated in favor of staying current. But that's not even remotely what's actually happening. Here's what it said first. The language around what constitutes fully vaccinated against COVID-19 is being replaced because that is the truth. That's what's happening. That's what he said. In the strongest indication by White House Chief Medical Advisor, Anthony Fauci, who that two shots of a messenger RNA vaccine fall short of protection amid the highly transmissible Omicron variant. So the truth, basically, at least what they don't want you to see, that it's not working, so we're going to change it. That's what's happening. Now it says, we're using the terminology now, keeping your vaccinations up to date, rather than what fully vaccinated means. Fauci said during, an, you know, basically his lecture, right now, optimal protection is the third shot. Okay. So if optimal production is the third shot, why wouldn't you change the def- is-, is Because as I said before, if they change the definition, they're going to lose the following of all the people, at least some of them that have only stayed along because they feel they've already complied and they're done. A lot of those people don't want the third shot. So once you literally change it to where they're now no longer able to go to the bar or go to the restaurant or whatever else, you're going to lose them. And they know that. They're losing control of this. So they're desperate to go, no, no, you're still good. You're still good and safe. You can still do all the stuff, even though we're literally saying the third is the only thing that changes it. But yeah, we're still allowing you with two shots to be able to do all the same stuff. Let's pretend like that makes sense, right? I'll make a point on that again in a minute. Note, the only thing they changed down here is to add this part of it. White House Chief Medical Advisor, Anthony Fauci. Why? Well, because they removed that from the top part, you see. You got to make sure you give him his credentials, right? See, now it just says, Fauci said, because they had it up here. I'm not just pointing out their changes, which all just weird and has nothing to do. You know, They don't really tell you what they're doing and they don't really notate that they did aggressively change the entire article, including the meaning of what they're discussing. Of course not, because that's not mainstream journalism today. But going down, it says, we are continuing to follow that science and it is literally evolving daily. And as that science evolves, we will continue to review the data, and update our recommendations. Okay, so what that means is, Nothing means anything. It changes every day and every day will change what we think you should do. So that means that nothing is any meaning. That's why they changed that. The science doesn't literally change every day. What changes every day is their narrative. The science has been, the scientific research has been very consistent across this whole discussion. Their flimsy CDC three, you know, Kentucky small studies are the ones that absolutely change this stuff. We see that's why they removed this. It also says Fauci said, in September, that he thinks three doses will likely be the primary series. But you see, they don't want you to say that now because now we're changing the entire meaning of this article. Now, in here, you can see they discussed the idea that he called for the third shot within five months, which is just another shift again, closer to three months, which is always always gonna be, because it dies after three months completely. It wanes immediately. Early studies have indicated a booster for Pfizer's vaccine provides a 25-fold increase right. But if it goes down to basically nothing, a 25 fold increase is not as much as you want it to be. Right. That's the point. And that's why it also says that two, uh, cuts hospitalization by 85% produces a 37 fold increase. These things are meaningless for something that doesn't have any effect, especially when we get into the data after this, it shows you that it's less effective than, non- than Delta. So it's less than it ever was. So when you go down to basically nothing, it increases by half of the, you get the point. I've made this point many times. That's why they keep arguing instead of saying, here's the actual protection it gives you against the current situation, like they've been doing thus far, even though they're using relative risk reduction, which is continually a deception. They're not even doing that anymore. They're just going, look, it's this much better than it was a moment ago, because it was nothing a moment ago. Fauci and other health leaders, as well as the President Biden, have pressed for months about the importance of getting both vaccinated and boosted. (laughs) Again, that's the point. But the CDC's definition of fully vaccinated has remained two weeks after the primary dose or doses, the decision that prompted questions at multiple White House press briefings. Now, it says individuals are considered fully vaccinated against COVID if they've received their primary series. They're not changing that. That definition is not changing, said Walensky, which is irrational. It makes that's why Sam Smith got testy with her. Because it doesn't make any sense. Even the natives are getting restless, guys. They don't understand this. Okay, if we need three shots, and these are the ones that are scared, understand? They keep trying to frame us as being scared. They're the ones like, what do you mean? If they're not protected from two, why would you make it not two? They're obviously upset and scared about what they're not understanding. But you're going to allow them to take two and continue forward. The federal government has no plans to change the definition of fully vaccinated for travel guidelines. Yet they're telling you that it doesn't happen. It's basically no effect after the, the third shot's necessary because that's where you get it back again. But we're not going to make you do it. Yet we're going to allow the ones with two to keep doing everything. And we're going to stop the ones who are unvaccinated from doing anything. Even though the ones that are two and unvaccinated are basically in the same position. Totally makes sense. No, it only makes sense when you look at it from a reality of compliance. At the same time, the CDC has updated its guidance to include language on staying up to date with the vaccines based on the type of vaccine. Consistent with how public health has historically viewed or even talked about how we recommend vaccines, Vaccines. we are now recommending that individuals stay up to date with additional doses. Recommending. It's only moments from now until that becomes obviously forced. And all they're doing is just really hoping that all the people that got two just eventually get the third one so they can start forcing the rest of us to come up to that point. I mean, it's ridiculous, guys. Now, check this out. Here is the Wayback Machine. I thought this was really interesting. If you actually try to look at this, other than a, uh, oh, actually, I had to find, on this was on archive. When you look at the Wayback Machine, look at what it does when you try to look at this article from before. It comes up for a moment. And look, they're actively now trying to censor things on the Wayback Machine. Look, here it is. Look at that. It's up. And then, there it goes. So, oh, wait a minute. Now it doesn't exist. Weird. You mean the Wayback Machine? And it was the right one. It came up with the right to the, the earlier title and everything. But now it just says no. They're also sent. I don't, I don't know if it's the Wayback Machine or not. But people are having access and ways to stop the articles from coming up on the Wayback Machine. Some of the most contentious articles you can look back on this and find that you'll see on this page right here. That you have a lot of the numbers on there. They show up as green. And you'll see all these different green ones. They're being removed. Even though they've been archived. But they're missing some here and there. But the point is, why would that be removed? Why would they stop you from seeing that? Because clearly, guys, this is what they didn't want you to understand. They are replacing the term fully vaccinated, not just suggesting that's in their mind. This is the same as them coming out with the three month thing way back when and then pulling it back and going, no, that's not true, even though that's obviously been true the whole time. They're testing the waters and they're pulling it back. But don't forget, this is how stupid that is. Because Pfizer CEO is already going fourth shot, fourth shot. And we're not even saying the third one's necessary. It's ridiculous. They're so afraid to see for you to see what's really happening. Israel's already gone with the fourth shot, right? Ontario's already pushing the fourth shot. And they're over here pretending. I mean, here, even in Utah, they're going, should we go fourth shot? Seriously, we're on that one and we're still quibbling about whether the third one's... Obviously, the third one is part of this. There's mo- There's people, colleges businesses that are actually mandating the third shot and not even the government is doing it. This has lost its meaning. Tom Frieden's over here going, after Omicron, don't forget, pi, rho, sigma, tau, epsilon, phi, all the way down and on and on and on. If anyone says they know what's coming next with COVID, they don't know what they're talking about. We simply don't know. That's why we need to discover the, what they're trying to do here is the same thing that that, um, the other guy, the bald head guy with glasses is pathetically trying to do by going, oh, the guys, the, everybody like us that were reviewing the data and making educated estimates about what would happen next and got all literally everything right, are saying, we just got lucky and we didn't know because they're just so desperate to hide that. That's what he's doing. Basically saying, anybody right now that's suggesting they know what's going to happen next, they're all lying to you. They're fake conspiracy theorists. Could be. Some of them are. Not everybody. A lot of us are have been educated guessing the entire time and getting a lot of this right because they're lying to you. But as I said, he lists off all these other... Yeah, but get your fourth booster and we can go back to normal, right guys? (laughs) No, this won't end until we end it. That's the truth. And we know that. This is the one I referenced a moment ago. Are we really going to pretend like everything I just said would make sense? Even though we... In Antarctica, an entire research group, miles from civilization, who all of them were triple vaccinated. Everybody had multiple tests before they went. So they're completely... Deemed clear of any COVID-related anything for a period of time, they're ex- They're not. They're gone from civilization. Miles, triple vaccinated, tested everything, and then months into it, they get sick, and multiple, and all of them end up getting COVID nineteen or a vast majority. There's no way you misunderstand that unless you choose to ignore it. That is the, the. I mean, this is the pandemic of the injected, and people that are being injected are the ones spreading whatever is happening. That seems to suggest that it's not even COVID-19, but rather whatever else that thing is creating. We're not even brushing on the actual effects of the vaccine, the injection, the ongoing increasing problems that are on top of everything else we're talking about. We've only just been touching on how it doesn't actually do what they say it does. But then you realize without even getting into the adverse events, they call it, it's clear that this is not having the effect they want you to think it is. Here's another doctor telling you he sees no difference in the severity of people with COVID-19 versus the vaxxed and non-vaxxed. That challenges their narrative entirely, but they don't care. They just don't care. And meanwhile, unvaccinated people are ordered to stay at home or face jail time in a city of 14 million in the Philippines because trust the science, right? Trust what they tell you, it says, apparently. Well, on the myocarditis side of this, to wrap this up here, and I'm going to say wrap up, it doesn't mean it's going to end right away. (laughs) It's the last segment here. We've already touched on a big part of this. I don't think this should take too long. I just want to reiterate, this is from Sputnik sharing this. Of course, for a lot of people still stuck in the Russiagate and PSYOP, they're going to be like, oh, that means it's fake news because therefore Russia. But Canadian real world study of mRNA vaccine efficacy versus Omicron shows negative efficacy of two mRNA doses and quickly waning efficacy of the booster. And then on top of that, efficacy of the fourth following the third is also shown to wane in two months. We've gone over all this data. So how does that line up with anything they just told you? Why would you recommend the third if it also doesn't do anything? If it wanes immediately on top of that, that this thing is mild anyway, and they're still even getting mild symptoms when they take the booster. This is the thing I think we referenced in regard to, uh, like uh, for the rebel, um, Ezra Levant shared that. That was the first place I saw it anyway. And showed that tweet that that was a big deal. And I'll show you that study in a minute. This is all, and these are preprints, but this is backed up by plenty of other peer-reviewed and otherwise data that's been happening, coming, it's been produced around Delta and Omicron for a long time now. So let's look at these studies. This is December 23rd. Vaccine effectiveness against SARS-CoV-2 infection with the Omicron or Delta variants following two or a booster. A Danish cohort study. Vaccine effectiveness against the novel SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant up to five months after a primary vaccination series with the injections. Oh, that's what they're looking into. Uh, They're showing original research results, early estimates from that, from the effectiveness of it up to five months after, which is very strange to me that they would only go up to five months. And that's why we're arguing five months. It seems selective, right? But it says we found a vaccine effectiveness against Omicron variant of fifty five point two percent and thirty six point seven percent for BioTech and 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 Moderna vaccines, respectively, in the first month after after vaccination. Fifty five point two. You realize that thirty six point seven is dramatically lower than the fifty percent necessary to maintain the emergency authorization. Again, they don't care about any of this stuff. Fifty five percent is relative risk reduction, not absolute. That does not mean it protects you 55% of the time. That means you get a 55% better protection than what is already happening with the person who is unvaccinated. And that's not a lot. I don't mean that 50% is not a lot. I mean, yeah, the person who is unvaccinated is in, is mostly in most categories at no more risk than the flu. So when you get a 55% better, it's, it's meaningless in the context of the actual risk in front of you. Then you got 36%. But then it says declines rapidly over just a few months. We're talking about the booster here. Then it says the, the efficacy, efficacy is reestablished upon revaccination of the vaccine. But then we'll get into the next study that shows you that even after the booster, it dramatically drops again. Now this is talking about the booster, but this goes into thir- further than the third. The, uh, the one we just showed you discusses two months and shows you that any booster going forward is the same. But before we get to that, reference this, which it's, for some reason, it's difficult. They make it like it's hard to see. It's like out of focus, which doesn't surprise me at all. Let me see if we can do it this way. Maybe it's clearer. No, of course not. That's so stupid. Probably intentional. Here is the point that Ezra was making, as if you can read, see through the fuzzy letters or uh, uh, numbers, is that from 91 to 150 days, as you can see at the very bottom here, it goes from basically after 90 days is where it shows it drops down to basically not effective at all. But then from three months afterwards, so this is why they drop off after three months in their studies. After three months, it increases your risk of getting sick. That's Omicron specifically. You can see on Delta, it just drops down to 53 as before, but Omicron, it shows negative 76. you have, if you have, it, it, and both of them are like that. Moderna's 39.3 negative. Pfizer is 76. So this shows you, you have a 76% chance increase of getting sick. with. that's why we're seeing all of the vaccinated get sick right now. They don't want you to see this. But trust the science as always, right? But no way to the next one. You've seen this as well. January 1st, four days ago. Effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines against Omicron or Delta. Just in general. And this is the point we keep making just because they keep wanting to yell at you that a booster does something different. It's the same thing. You're taking the same ineffective shot that's designed against an earlier strain that's not in existence right now. Which, by the way, peer-reviewed science in the Journal of Infection also showed you that that exact scenario increases your chance of antibody-dependent enhancement. Who cares about that? The point is that it has no effect on this highly mutated spike protein. That's what it's aimed at, a spike protein from the Wuhan strain. This is basic stuff, guys. Like James Weiler is railing about this right now, or he had been. It doesn't make any difference. And then the point is that it creates antibodies for something not near, not, not, not the antibodies you want. And that then creates an antibody response that's negative, as a lot of doctors like McCullough, Peter McCullough and others are pointing to. But it says here, we included 3,442 Omicron positive cases and 9,201 Delta cases. Now, again, why in the world wouldn't you pick an even number? Why wouldn't you pick 3,442 and 3,442? I I just, this keeps happening. And there's a reason that happens. It's a way to control the outcome. But it says, and a bunch of negative controls, after two doses of COVID vaccine, vaccine effectiveness against Delta infection declined steadily over time, but recovered to 93%. This is weird. They say equal to or greater than seven days after receiving an mRNA vaccine for the third dose. How does that make sense? Why would it be seven days or greater? Because that doesn't because the data we're showing you after this and the next study shows you that it drops off right away, so wouldn't it be set? Wouldn't it be like two weeks or under? Again, that's a weird way to frame that. And I think, and again, I think the breakdown Omicron versus Delta and the higher number in Delta is a way to art to make it look like it one better than the other. I think we've been seeing this fail since long before Delta. But again, it says they claim it recovers to ninety three percent up to seven days or greater than seven days, equal to or greater than seven days, but that's not true because after seven days, this thing falls off a cliff. So it's because it spikes up to seven, whatever, 93% relative risk reduction, which is not what you think it is. It falls off right away. It says, in contrast, receipt of two doses of COVID-19 vaccines was not protective against omicron it wasn't against delta either guys and that's what they already tra- continued to admit to you before now they're just trying to love everything into omicron and make it seem like that's the only thing and then without any data just argue omicron's only here because i'm vaccinated that's not true either in contrast receipt of two doses was not protective against omicron vaccine effectiveness against omicron was 37 percent. that's in general Here we are again, showing you the reality of how this thing has fallen below the F the necessary efficacy for emergency authorization. They don't care. They're not going to stop. They're criminals. Simple as that. Conclusion. Two doses of COVID-19 vaccines are unlikely to protect against infection of Omicron. A third dose, however, prevents, provides some protection in the immediate term, but substantially less than against Delta. Exactly. is my point from before. You're never back up to where you were. That's why they keep, you lose all of this. Then you get the third one and it brings you back up a little bit, but that's because you were down to basically nothing. That's why they keep framing that as look at this huge percentage increase acting like that brings you back. And they, but they'll quietly say, but not better than before because they're liars. Well, here's the last one. December 29th waning of SARS CoV 2 booster viral load reduction effectiveness. This is the broad one. This is important analyzing cycle threshold values of SARS-CoV-2 PCR test over 22,000 infections during Delta variant dominated period in Israel. Delta dominated. We found that the viral load reduction effectiveness significantly declines within months post the booster dose. Months. Two months is what we're talking about here. That's Delta. Think about that. So then we step into Omicron and it's obviously, well, first of all, we're talking about the this hasn't been working since Delta. That's the point that I'm trying to make there before I lose my train of thought. It has not been working. It's been falling off the same way. Now it says adjusting for age, sex, and calendric date, cycle threshold values of gene initially increased by, uh, of RDP uh, RP gene initially increased by 2.7 relative to unvaccinated in the first month post the, for the dose, but th- yet then decayed to a difference of almost meaningless difference to 1.3. In the second month, and then became small and insignificant the third to fourth months. That is the booster we're talking about. The rate and magnitude of this post-booster decline in viral load reduction effectiveness mirror those observed post-second vaccine. So it's the same as you saw after the second one. Here we are watching the information pan out that shows you, nope, the booster goes the same as the second. These results suggest rapid waning of the booster's effectiveness in reducing infectiousness. Any of them. Third, fourth, it's the same thing. And all they're going to do is just skip right over this and try to act like the next variant was somehow the reason why this one didn't work. It's the same scenario we keep seeing. But they are telling you blatantly that after two months, this stops, does not work. and But yet we're over here telling you, you all have to get vaccinated right now. Like we're not even giving you, the, we're not even touching on natural immunity as we do all the time. It's amazing. This is a willful deception, guys. Now, despite natural immunity, again, which is a huge part of this conversation they're just pretending is not there, it's showing you these things wane instantly. On top of that, the risk to the child is obvious. The myocarditis risk is so high, it is disgusting. But all they can do is go, well, it's worse for COVID, but that's not even true. That data is not actually accurate, and we'll show you that in a minute. But on top of that, again, it is a false choice. This could not be more clear. You're in two positions here. You're in a position where you're not at risk. You could potentially get sick from something that could potentially increase your risk of myocarditis, but you have plenty of other things to do to keep yourself safe. Even if you want to pretend their options are there to wear your mask, quarantine, isolate. None of those are going to help you, in my opinion. In fact, it'll hurt you. But the point is you can have vitamin D. You can stay in your room for the rest of your life. The point is there's a lot of ways you can avoid getting sick. However, The point being, you don't get that risk until you get sick. However, they say, get the shot to avoid that risk. That's not for sure. Then you get the injection. They say to stop that unsure risk. Then instantly you get the risk. You take the shot and you instantly get a guaranteed increased risk of myocarditis. That's a fact. Why would you do that? Why would you take a guaranteed risk in exchange for one that's not currently there? It might be, even if you think it might be a little worse. It's incredible. But nonetheless, this is what we keep showing you. The FDA, who is not on your side, backs Pfizer's booster for 12 to 15-year-olds. The Under the emergency authorization. The emergency authorization of the booster that has 37% efficacy. But yeah, make them do it. Remember, the booster that's emergency authorized, that has a 37% reduction, relative reduction. Incredible which means the emergency authorization by which they're throwing this forward or with which they're throwing this forward is unjust or or illegitimate. January 3rd, the FDA on Monday authorized the first COVID vaccine booster dose for American adolescents, 12 to 15, even though they're 0% risk statistically of dying from COVID. Besides updating the authorization for the Pfizer COVID vaccine, the agency also shortened the recommendation time between second dose and the booster to five months or more based on new evidence. So why would it be five if after two months it dies? Right? Doesn't that make any no sense at all? In addition, a third primary series dose is now authorized for certain immunocompromised people, five to 11. And again, I can't help but make this argument every time I see this put out. This is the most up-to-date CD, Pfizer data from Europe. They're telling you blatantly as of November, the end of November, use in immunocompromised patients, immunocompromised. That is what we're pointing at right here. Authorized for immunocompromised children of all people, not even adults, children. Here's what it says. The safety profile of the vaccine, the one they're recommending for those children is not known in immunocompromised individuals. Okay, so how does that make sense? authorized for certain immunocompromised individuals. They don't know if it's safe. It doesn't, there's no, it doesn't matter which ones. You can't be like, well, they're super at risk. You don't even know if it, you don't know the safety profile. It's not like you have some from it. You don't know. You just admitted that. They also don't know if it's safe for pregnant women. As it says right there, we don't know if it's safe. They also don't know if it's safe for frail patients, the comorbidities, elderly people. They don't know if it's safe for autoimmune or inflammatory disorders. They don't know the safety of how it interacts with other vaccines, such as the flu vaccine, but they're letting you do that anyway. They literally tell you they don't have long-term safety data. The long-term safety of this injection is unknown at present. That is November 2022 or 2021. I don't understand how that's even possible. Unless we're in the middle of a massive manipulation, which is very clearly what's happening. An amended emergency use authorization only applies to the Pfizer vaccine, and acting FDA commissioner, uh, Janet Woodcock, said. So she's a criminal. They updated emergency authorization, which was applied to the thing that doesn't have over 50% efficacy. So you're a criminal. You're a liar. Yeah, obviously. That's why the FDA is a captured agency. That's why all of these groups are completely not on your side. Asked about concerns about the risk of myocarditis with vaccination in 12 to 15-year-olds, Woodcock said they expect it would be extremely rare with the third dose. Now, why exactly? There's no reason to say that. If you have an increased risk of myocarditis with all the other ones, why would it be less than the third? Well, just because they say that. It sounds nice. The data so far consistently points, they claim, to a higher risk of myocarditis after the second mRNA dose. Right. So we're going to pretend because we've had all this data in the in the country to review for second doses. And we only have so many people getting the third. And we compare those two things. And it looks like the second dose is higher, obviously, because more people have the second dose. We're going to go, yeah, it's more, it's worse for the second dose. Therefore, the third is okay. Give them the third. Do we not realize how willfully ridiculous that these people must know that doesn't make sense. This is the same as Walensky pointing to a time when nobody was injected to argue that that means everybody sick was people who were uninjected. Un- 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 Obviously, the beginning of the year, most people were on didn't have the injection. So if you point to that time frame, anybody in the hospital will likely be uninjected. You can't use that argument to comply, apply to where we are now. That's what this is doing. That's crazy. More people have two shots than third than three. So when you compare the two, it's going to look like that's higher in the two shots. Even then. Even if this was the final situation, why does it make sense to be like, give them the third because it's more risky after the second? How? What logic is this? These are children we're talking about. The risk of myocarditis is about two to three times higher after a second vaccine dose compared to a booster. So, so what's the risk of the booster? It's two to three times higher for the second dose, but there's still a lot of risk right there with the booster. They're just pretending like two to three times higher with this one makes that one okay. No. It may be related to the closer dose of the timing, they say, but we don't even know. Yeah, so lots of unknowns, but let's rush to give them the third. The inference here is that on the risk of myocarditis with a third dose in 12 to 15-year-olds, the range is likely to be quite acceptable. Actually, likely to be quite acceptable. That's what they're saying. Give this shot to 12 to 15-year-olds, emergency authorized with 37% efficacy, even though it's a crime, because it's likely to be quite acceptable. The ones that will die from this myocarditis is acceptable because the less will die from this acceptable likely to be. This is this is ludicrous. Marx also pointed out that most cases of myocarditis clear up quickly, which brings us to the point. "Quote: We're not seeing long-lasting effects." That's not to say we don't care about this, and that's not that's not important. We're not seeing long-lasting effects, so people are getting the shots now. The third ones we're even talking about. How do we do we even have long term? No, we don't. Barely just now are we getting into the long-term data on the original shots. So this is a these people are dishonest. Or again, I always give them the out, or they're just ridiculously stupid. How do you not know that we're not seeing long-lasting effects of something that we don't have long lasting effect data for is an obvious reality. But what is what it is saying is that it it is in the setting of a tremendous number of Omicron and Delta cases in the country, the potential benefits of getting vaccinated in this age group outweigh that risk. Don't forget, though, we do not have the long-term safety data at the present of this injection. Therefore, we do not know the full risk-benefit analysis, as always. So how can you possibly know the benefits outweigh the risks if you don't know the risks? Oops, guess we won't talk about that. He said that the really overwhelming majority of the cases, 98%, have been mild. You know what we're going to get into. Even so, the FDA plans to continue monitoring for the risk of myocarditis very closely, which makes no sense. So are you concerned it'll be a risk? Why would you monitor it very closely if you're just going out of your way to tell us it's not a risk? No, it's super rare. It's not really there. We're not concerned about it, but we're going to monitor it super closely. Interestingly, swollen underarm lymph nodes, that's why I had that, were uh, seen more frequently after the booster dose than after the second dose of the two doses of the primary series. What does that tell you? Here's what I had. I'm glad I pulled it over here still. We just talked about this. 360 time increase in the rare, basically the the swelling of your lymph nodes, which is what we keep talking about in regard to lymphocytopenia, the the dysregulation of your immune system. 50% of people get after taking the injection. Obviously, that's a big deal, and if it's happening after the booster dose, clearly there's something to be considered. But they—they're just—they don't know. That, I mean, they're even will generally telling you that we don't have all the information. But yet, we're forcing this on children because of that. We're in so much risk that we're going to take a risky thing to get. Yeah, that's the—that th- is the running narrative of this whole conversation. We're going to do dangerous things for your safety. Mixing and matching vaccines. It goes on to say, less clear at the moment is guidance about boosters for people who opted to mix and match their primary vaccine series which again, they have no data for interaction with other vaccines. Which says right, right here. The, if the co-administration of these vaccines with other vaccines may affect the efficacy or safety of either vaccines have not been performed. We don't know is what that means, but here we are going, yeah, you know, they're doing it quote. There was a mix and match study that was done and showed some cases mixing and matching of an specifically a adenoviral, adenoviral record vaccine and an mRNA vaccine seem to give very good immune response. Great. So we don't know. We wrote down we don't know, but we're allowing able to do it because flu good and flu bad and COVID bad. And so vaccines good. Do it anyway. Once more data comes in on mixing and matching, even though we're already letting them do that, make sure we're clear on that. We'll analyze them and then potentially make recommendations. Oops. We don't know if it's safe, but go ahead and do it though. Everybody can do it. Or we're going to give kids it right now. Okay. To back to the point, long lasting effects. Where were we? Right here. What it's saying is this, uh, the setting of uh, Omicron, uh, where was I? Interestingly, swollen lymph nodes. Right. Okay. Mild. That's what it was. The overwhelming majority of these cases are mild. But as you remember, as any cardiologist who's honest with you would tell you, there's no such thing as a mild heart problem. Here is that reality. Again. You know they know about this stuff because this is their science, their research, but yet they pretend it's not there. Here is the study. This is just a general study from 2012 on myocarditis. Peer-reviewed study, sprawling, reaching, huge, lots of information. Here's what it says. The early mortality of fulminant lymphocytic myocarditis requiring intensive care is in excess of 40% in the first four weeks. That's huge. Now, that's fulminant myocarditis. What does that mean?
1: Fulminant.
0: Fulminant, excuse fulminant. me. Fulminant. Fulminant. It means severe and sudden in onset. Fulminant. So, non-fulminant, meaning not severe, not fast in onset myocarditis. So, just non-fulminant myocarditis has a mortality rate of 25 to 56% within 3 to 10 years. Owning to progressive heart failure and sudden cardiac death, especially if symptomatic heart failure manifests early on. Okay, that's the scientific research right there. So these people either are that bad at their jobs and they don't know, or they're will they're willing, dang it, willing to lie to you for an agenda and pretend that it's okay that all these children are getting this risk. Even though as the NIH sci, uh, pub, uh, posted on the National, National Library of Medicine from the NIH, is openly telling you that children with a mild case, which he just said most of them are, have a potentially 56% increase in mortality over the next 10 years. And we're not even at three years. So how do we even know? It's going to be potentially up to 56% mortality increase over three to 10 years. We're not even there yet. So how can they possibly know that that's not a valid, the benefit outweigh the risk? because they're lying to you guys, I can't get it. It's it's obvious that we are being misled in ways that are really dangerous to your children, especially. It's just bothersome that we keep seeing this and nobody seems to care in places where they should. And I'm not even talking about mainstream media. Now, finally, risk of myocarditis following sequential COVID-19 vaccinations and age by age and sex, December 25th on Christmas. They evaluated the association between COVID-19 vaccination and myocarditis. Myocarditis risk was increased during one to 28 days following a third dose. Increased risk. That's all you need to know. Associations were strongest in males younger than 40 years of age. And then it says, uh, increases by 3 events per million estimated within 128 days following the first dose respectively 14 12 and 101 additional events following the second dose and this is respectively again 13 additional events following the third dose compared with 7 following the infection so it's not even that much of a difference 7 versus 13 in the million in in regard to the the effects again That becomes meaningless when you understand that the risk of this child getting sick, let alone dying from COVID-19, is less than the flu. And then you could mitigate that with all sorts of other actions. So the risk to pretend that the risk is just immediately there, just like they're trying to pretend that unvaccinated equals sick, it's not true. But when you inject that kid in their arm, that is true. That's an instant risk you're giving them of potentially 56% increase in mortality in the next three to 10 years. That is obvious. But here we are where they're pretending that's not happening. December 14th, risk of myocarditis, pericarditis, and cardiac arrhythmias associated with the vaccination. It says, although myocarditis and pericarditis were not observed in the trials. The reason I want to show you that is because recognize that exact point. Are we all under the are we all aware now that this is clearly there? They've all admitted it. They're grudgingly admitting it more and more every day. Ask yourself how in the world they didn't see that. If it's that obvious now, they lied to you. That's why they kicked those people out early on. Oh, weird. You have a weird heart attack type of situation within the first two days. again. Well, that must have been from before. You're no longer in the study. We saw that everywhere. People who got sick right after the first shot were pushed away. They're hiding this from you. It says we found that increased risks of myocarditis associated with the first dose, and we're talking about specifically Pfizer vaccines, as well as the uh, uh, um, Oxford one, and the first and second doses of the mRNA, uh, that's Moderna, one to 28 days post-vaccination. We estimated an extra two, one, and six myocarditis events per 1 million per vaccinated person in the breakdown of the different injections. Now it says this compares with an extra 40 per 1 million. Now, again, the breakdown is very different than what they're saying in regard to the injection, but we have to remember there's a lot more factors here. And again, what I just said is what the main point is, but this breaks down to an increased risk for those that take the injection. And that's all the point is on top of that. You have a lot of people who are not considered vaccinated. As we just made clear before who are involved in these things, but yet are included in the increased risk that aren't being factored as vaccinated. I believe, I think that was it at the bottom. Yeah. So then the point here to finish off is they're coming out with stuff like this as to what I keep arguing. This may, this argument makes no sense. And I'm, I've already explained that three times. It's, it's, but this is where they fall back on. And by the way, that is not even as accurate as they want you to think it is. Then finally, to finish, Indiana Life Insurance CEO says deaths are 40% among ages 18 to 64. And the point is, guys, this is arguably, I mean, based on what we can see, the data in front of us not being caused by COVID-19. So what's doing it then? I'll let you decide for yourself. What else is happening? What else has been added into the mix? The head of Indianapolis-based insurance company, One America, says the death rate is up a stunning 40%. It's an insurance company from pre-pandemic levels. Now, first, right, the people that want to think, well, well, that's because of COVID, of course. But it says, quote, we are seeing right now the highest death rates we have seen in the history of the business. Davidson said the increase in deaths represents huge, huge numbers, and that it's not elderly people who are dying, but primary working age people, 18 to 64. Most of the claims for the deaths being filed are not classified as COVID-19. So what's happening? I mean, these are the kind of conversations that nobody will want to touch on in the mainstream. The CDC weekly death counts, which reflect the information of death certificates and so have a big lag of up to eight weeks or longer, I'm sure that's totally intentional, show that the week ending of November 6th, there were far fewer deaths from COVID-19 in the in Indiana compared to a year ago, but more deaths from other causes. Nobody wants to talk about this. Obviously, the independent media is awash with this conversation, This is clear. There's something else killing people. If you don't want to ask yourself what that is, you're choosing to remain ignorant. That's the point. But all they're going to do is try to hype you up with conversations just like this. And you already saw me discuss this long before this was even a focal point. Fluorona! Breaking! CBS tells you a COVID testing site at Getty Center has detected LA's first case of fluorona? I told you. I told you this is how it was going to be framed. They're literally calling it a case of fluorona, a combination of the two things. Even if what they're trying to argue is just, oh, it's just an example of both of them happening at the same time. That's not how people are going to read this. And this is why Willie down here picks up on that. Saying, drop the fluorona pit. It's two concurrent infections. That's even happening, by the way. Not a hybrid. If people have two conditions at the same time, it's not a new disease. Heart disease and diabetes isn't heartabetes. Pryon's disease and shingles isn't Pringles. I mean, it's, it's funny, but they're making good points. That's what they're trying to make people think. This is becoming something new. Del Macron is the new thing. No, you are getting false positives and they're conflating this with something else. You are being told you've got flu- influenza in COVID-19. Maybe you somehow have both these things simultaneously. But that, if that's even true, doesn't that undermine the entire logic for why flu disappeared last time? But who cares? Stop questioning. Just go along with the narrative, Ryan. This is fear. This is hype and fear to get you on the next phase. This is going to be why they justify the next part of it. Well, that's why it wasn't working because it combined with the flu. And there you go. And now we're on the next. Now we need a new vaccine for the the influenza. Then we need the, the universal vaccine for all of it simultaneously, right? You can see where this goes. Now I want to end today, guys, on a really sad note, but a positive note at the same time. I saw. So I came across this video. Somebody had uh, play, had grabbed for me. Actually, while I'm showing that, I make sure I've actually got the file. And this is it's a sad video of an in, of, of a very very talented young young guy young kid here that that plays the guitar on a YouTube channel with lots lots of following. Took the injection, obviously, like many others who was convinced that that was the right thing to do. Lost the ability to use his left hand. Now, think of somebody like, I'm trying to grab this real quick. Think of somebody like Eric Clapton, right, who has been speaking out against this from the beginning, and they even called him an anti-vaxxer for one of, the, arguably, considered at least one of the best guitarists on the planet, almost being able to never play again. And I, as I understand that, there's still been a level of that never came back. And he's an anti-vaxxer now for pointing out that happened? Yeah. It's just incredible. So I want to finish with this clip to show you this sad reality of this of this kid still talented even with one hand learning to do this. But the the nice note to end on here, not, not the, the the true note, is that the 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 arm did come back to use. Just so we're being very clear, and the kid did follow up with the video only playing with the other hand, just kind of make a point to say he's very happy he got the hand back. But that's not what happens for everybody. That's not what happens for Maddie to That's not what happens for all these other people or, or I'm blanking on the names. And we spoke with a couple of them. Kale, we spoke with her, how she still has the seizures and the shape. I mean, some of these people will live with this the rest of their lives, like Maddie to So watch this and realize that this is happening to people all over the world. And the sad reality is they're just not showing you that. In fact, they're pretending most of these aren't even connected. And that is really sad because some of these people will never get back what they have worked for their entire life. So thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate you all continuing to stick this out and continuing to fight for people just like this. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.